afternoon good evening ladies and gentlemen boys and girls rockers and rollers of all ages how are you welcome to straight out the fridge my name is chris weeks i'm joined by jay osborne and not to tomek Subitsky. tomek the tonic for all of our woes how are we boys yeah, i really guarantee that he's definitely he's clipped that it's, yeah that's, that's why i did it <laughs> It's very appropriate that he'd be blowing yeah, out the mic that's what for I this do. episode, don't you think? Very. Of all the episodes for him to do it. Yeah, this is, well, this, this oh, is Tomek's choice. This is Tomek's yeah, choice. And we're uh, back, on the, uh, back on the artist week. And uh, what, uh, what and whom uh, is it that you have chosen for uh, this week's artist week, Tomek? Yeah, as he would say. Someone like that? <laughs> Am I allowed to do that? What did he say? Um, would he? Would he? Uh, he might say that. Yeah, why not? Why not? Something well, like that. Why have I chosen him? Um, well, you haven't even said yeah, who, it who is have yet. you chosen? You've just <laughs> yeah, made a sound. I'm excited about who we're talking about. <laughs> should, should, yeah. we, should we do that again? So, Tomic, it's Artist Week. Um, and who have you chosen this week? I've Tomic? chosen the one and only Little Richard. Oh yeah, yeah. Do do do. There. Yeah. Great. Uh, I mean, fantastic. Take us through. Obviously, this is our second sure. Artist Week. We started with. The King mm-hmm. of Rock and Roll, at my behest and request. Very good choice. So, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. <laughs> so, Tomek, um, why why Little Richard? Come well, on. Well, on the more serious note, he has unfortunately died recently, um, on the 9th of May, 2020. But also, not only because he's sort of relevant and has been in the news recently, I just, I wanted to talk to about an artist that, didn't have it easy straight away i'm not saying elvis at all had it easy at all but this guy really had to work to make his voice heard and boy did he work um and mm. i just think the more the more research i've done the more artists that have come forward and said why do we not appreciate little richard more than we do mm. um yeah because he's iconic and one of the founding fathers of rock and roll and inspired uh, we'll come to this i'm sure later on in the podcast but he inspired so many artists that like cite it's amazing him, isn't it um and just say i would be nothing without this man and i i was just sort of like we, we have to do him he's up there with the with the king with me and actually um you on instagram even said one of his famous quotes i did if elvis is the king of rock and roll I'm the queen. Exactly. That's such a good it's quote. It's amazing. And that was a misquote, by the way. Apologies for that. But yeah, it's yeah. along those lines. I'm, I'm yeah. so excited about this uh, episode because, um, for me, he's he's one of my absolute top favorite rock and roll mm-hmm. artists. So um, you've got your list of who is the best do, rock and roller which, at each. Again, thing. I will say every time. Where, where does he sit? It is. It's it's my list, and and. You know, it, it's not it's my list. You can't take it away Jay's, from me. No one Jay's will have it. It is mine. Um, yeah, no, it's, you know, it's completely, uh, you know, my choice. And I am happy for someone to turn around and say, no, you're wrong. I think it's this. Uh, but, you know, like we said a, a couple of episodes ago, I have my, like, who I think is the best rock and roll pianist, the best mm. rock and roll guitarist, the best. And I, from my book... I would say Little Richard has the best rock and roll voice. Mm. 
his his voice is outstanding on those records you look at and and you hear him in any situation that he's in whether it's um whether it's an early recording a later recording um like halfway between an interview where he just breaks out in song um (laughs) or you know him playing live um at a concert his voice is it's the sort of like noise that you hear someone doing and and they'll make a sound uh or they'll they'll make a they'll sing and you just think he's hurt himself yeah <laughs> he's he's never going to be able to talk again after that yeah but then but then a bar later he comes in with it again and you're just like how on earth <laughs> can someone it's true physically do what he does or do what he did with his voice because you know he's i think he was a pioneer as well because oh, yeah. although although riffing uh riffing the notes and and singing uh was used then i don't think it was used in a commercial sense that he that he started to use it in. Mm. you know you hear him singing mm. tracks and he's, he's riffing up and down the notes and you're kind of like we listen to it now and we think yeah that's fine that's how songs are but back then you know everything was was very straight uh or you know it's just for me it was just he's he's a revolutionary mm. uh, uh musician and i think yeah for me he sits up there with um yeah having the the best one of if not the best uh, rock and roll voice lovely a little excerpt Bob there Saban. from uh, jay's rock and roll list <laughs> no could be. we can't could be everything we can't it is a thing that we he can. does he doesn't have the time. He, he edits this t- and he says he's it moving takes ages. For God's sake. He doesn't, he doesn't have the time to write a... Um, but I was just about to say, Chris. <laughs> Tomek, hi. What's... Hold on. What, have, we got, you... have we got to put in a space for that, that theme tune? Well, I don't know. <sighs> okay, right. Just pause. Jay's Rock and Roll List. Great. How was that? Was that right, lads? Not your best. Uh, not your best. <laughs> Three out of ten. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because I know you can do better. It's a harsh criticism because I know you can do better than that. Wow. (laughs) Thanks, Dad. (laughs) He's got his dad's shirt on as well. I'm actually a dad. I don't have a shirt like that. Not me, Tommy. Tangent over. Chris. Uh, Tommy, you you said my name. What's up? uh, I've spoken about what he is to me. Jay said (laughs) stuff about his voice being great. Little Richard, how do you feel about him? Little Richard is who I think every modern singer aspires to be uh, at certain moments in their career. I think that he is, if um, if Elvis is all about the the physical and the the not necessarily sexual impulses, but about those those proper body impulses in singing, Little Richard is like religion. He's like Old Testament religious fervor he's like burning with the wrath of god that's how much is coming out of him he calls it himself he calls it the thing and that's all the stuff that surrounds the notes and uh, isn't the technical melodic stuff it's the stuff that surrounds it and he is the definition of it so for me whenever i i mean like my my sort of rock and roll singing obviously pales in comparison but it's it, it anything that is um on the front foot, anything which has got that aggression and that drive behind it, or that I think needs it, which is all of the more um, up-tempo stuff and that sort of thing, you know, 
I, I call on my inner Great. little Richard for that more than anyone else. Even with the Elvis stuff, I, there's more than a little nice. little Richard in there, as it were. Very good. That That's where my voice wants to go. I think there's a good point to what you said there as well. I think we all kind of do that because, and I know we've mentioned it every episode and it's probably a shameful plug, but um, <laughs> our band, <laughs> The Big Three. The Big um, Three. Uh, the history of that... Um, is that Little Richard was very much a heavy, heavy, heavy influence on the band. Oh, yeah. And I think he still is with us, not just vocally, but musically and performance-wise as well. Um, Because he, you know, you, you look at Elvis on stage and he's he has this charisma and this flair, but it's his own thing. And then you look at Jerry Lee, and Jerry Lee is very... You know he does. He do, he. You know he did get very crazy back in the day and stuff. Oh yeah. But you know when you're comparing that to Little Richard, I mean, the really cool thing that I came across yesterday, and uh, you know, I I sat there and researched loads of different videos and and things. But there there was a clip on um, on YouTube, and it's him going on uh, to do a concert. And this this was later on in his career, so maybe the the late seventies or something like that. And he goes out on stage and the band are vamping and he spends about 10 minutes just like walking around, you know, doing what you think he would do, like kissing people and things like that. Um, and then he comes in and then he sings like four bars of, um, uh, what does he sing? Uh, like Long Tall Sally, I think he sings. Um, and then he just gets the band to vamp and then he walks all the way across to the stage. He climbs up on these like 10 foot speakers and he takes his shirt off and he rips it into little pieces and starts throwing it out to the crowd. Like this kind of like, it's like this God yeah. complex type yeah. of thing, you know. And then he takes his like leather boots off, which are God knows how much. And then he throws them to the audience. And then he decides to take off his, oh my his jewellery. That would hurt. Which is God, no, God knows how much. And then throws it out to the audience. And he's just stood there. And he stands there and he just stares at the audience. And the audience are going mental. Of course they And are. this poor band behind <laughs> have vamped for, for like, you know... 20,000 bars so far. The poor sax player who has been the one that started the soloing as Little Richard walked off is still soloing. Yeah, he right? ran out of and ideas he is, long ago. Like, like his, his horn is getting full to the brim of bodily fluids, oh. right? And That's just Little Richard, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then Little Richard just climbs down, walks back and carries on the song. And and we look, you know, we're looking at like 15 minutes into a concert and he's I mean, barely sung a thing. How it's do you that? How do you but, go? Like, I've already taken off all my clothes. We haven't. We've only done one song. <laughs> Where do you go from there? Uh, but someone, someone like him, right? This is the thing, and this is another thing that he means to me. I he's absolutely insane. As in, like he he is not of the mortal plane. Like Elvis is a man. Elvis is like the best that a man can be. Yeah. Little Richard genuinely thinks that he is a god <laughs> yeah. when he's on stage, and he does exactly what he wants. Yeah. And everyone there is quite literally worshipping a god that's what's happening yeah. that's the religious fervor and it's it's very much relating back to that kind of sense of being in church isn't it yeah like the whole preacher thing absolutely the, especially the gospel black community vibe things so, everything you, you know, learn about it makes perfect sense when you see and you before. can reference that in a very stereotypical cliche way back to like um say like the blues brothers film when james brown was the the the, the reverend on that and he's yeah. and he's going across the stage and he's doing all these big dance moves and screaming and yelling and everyone's going crazy you know it's a performance he is the he is the point of focus um 
he, he's the point of focus and he it's the same with little richard little richard is there and he knows that everyone's watching him and that he could literally do anything you know he could he could probably just stand on stage and do nothing yep. for yeah. two hours and people would still go absolutely mad yeah and it's funny you say that Tomic. like how can he top that well he does because two minutes after that song he starts another song and just flicking back before the concert the gig promoter comes up to him in his dressing room and says please 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 richard do not bring anyone on stage and i don't know what it was it isn't clear i don't know whether it's because of insurance purposes or Mm. because they're worried about damage or something but he says please 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 don't do it and look richard's like well you know i'll see how i feel in the moment and stuff and he's like and and everyone's giggling and he's like no seriously please please and he said okay i'll try my best what he does to top how he starts the show is he he turns around on the mic and says right i need two people to come up on stage <laughs> already absolutely fucking over the promoter of the gig right which is hilarious so these two people come up on stage and he says to them right you're now going to dance and whoever's going to win will i will buy you a round the world ticket <laughs> <laughs> yes top lad that is how little richard tops that it's amazing but that that sort of thing, right? That is what people have been trying to capture ever since, like bands and stuff, like all of smashing up instruments and all that sort of stuff. And like the thing you say about like someone coming on, standing on stage and the crowd going wild. MJ does the same thing, right? Yeah, hundred percent. The Super Bowl oh, performance God, where he just stands there for like eight minutes and everyone goes it's a twenty minute insane interval. Yeah, because it's that same thing, and people have been trying to. To, to, to keep that yeah. fire going and to take a little bit for them for themselves. Little Richard mm. was the one who did it. Yeah. He he It's he, like it's like he, he made himself this mythical character. Yeah. Um that like people could only imagine to get a glance of and then all of a sudden they're in the same building. He is presented to them in the biggest best light possible doing his thing in the best possible uh, best way possible. Yeah. And they're seeing it happen before their eyes. You you cannot you cannot do anything but you know completely lose yourself Absolutely. within that moment yeah. So. yeah 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 he's he's the the archetype of losing yourself in the moment do you know, we've, we've got we've actually got further than we normally do with the podcast like we're, we've just that's we, it now we're done it, yeah we're done call it a Th- day thanks guys thanks for joining us no way um, Tomic's Tomic given the us a beautiful over here. structure oh god uh, but no Tomic you've given us a beautiful structure so we must let's let's be yep. a bit chronological and there are lots of tangents yep. that we can go on, on go off on uh, and go on off as we go along. But let's start at the very beginning. I'm told it's a reasonably <clears throat> good place to start. As we always do. Which is... Um, sorry, I... It I really was... sounded like you were going to carry on. Oh, no, no, no. Right. Right. Don't okay. look him in the Which eye, we then. always do. With... <laughs> with... Tomek's Timeline. <laughs> Timeline. 1932. Richard Wayne Penniman was born in Macon, Georgia on December 5th, 1932, the third of 12 children of Lava May and Charles Bud Penniman. In childhood, he was nicknamed Lil Richard by his family because of his small and skinny frame. 1947. Sister Rosetta Tharp overheard the 14-year-old Richard singing her songs before a performance at the Macon City Auditorium. She invited him to open her show. After the show, Tharp paid him and inspired him to become a professional performer. 
49. Before entering the 10th grade, Richard left his family home and joined Hudson's Medicine Show performing Louis Jordan's Caledonia. Richard recalled that the song was the first secular R&B song he learned, since his family had strict rules against playing R&B music, which they considered devil music. 1950. Richard joined his first musical band, Buster Brown's Orchestra, where Brown gave him the name Little Richard. During this time, Richard started to perform in drag under the name Princess Lavon for various vaudeville acts. After befriending Billy Wright, he began to learn how to be an entertainer from him, adapted a pompadour hairdo similar to Wright's, as well as styling a pencil moustache using Wright's brand of facial pancake makeup and wearing flashier clothes. 1952. Impressed by his singing voice, Wright put him in contact with Zena Sears, a local DJ. Sears recorded Richard at his station, backed by Wright's band. The recordings led to a contract that year with RCA Victor. Richard recorded a total of eight sides for RCA Victor, including the blues ballad Every Hour, which became his first single and hit in Georgia. 1953. Richard signs with Don Roby's Peacock Records. He records eight sides, including four with Johnny Otis and his band that were unreleased at the time. Like his venture with RCA Victor, none of his Peacock singles charted, despite his growing reputation for his high-energy antics on stage. 1954. Disillusioned by the record business, Richard returned to Macon. Struggling with poverty, he settled for work as a dishwasher for Greyhound Lines. While in Macon, he met Esquerita, whose flamboyant onstage persona and dynamic piano playing would deeply influence Richard's approach to performance. 1955. Richard's activity caught the attention of Macon police. He was arrested after a gas station attendant reported sexual activity in a car with Richard and a heterosexual couple. Cited on a sexual misconduct charge, he spent three days in jail and was temporarily banned from performing in Macon. Still 1955. Richard sent a demo to Price's label, Speciality Records. Speciality owner Art Roop loaned Richard money to buy out of his Peacock contract and set him to work with producer Robert Bumps Blackwell. According to Bumps, Richard launched into a risque, dirty blues he titled Tutti Fruity. Recorded in three takes, Tutti Fruity was released as a single that November. They get I'm getting better, better at them, they? I think, aren't I? Yeah, but they, they are well, getting longer. It's a, mm, yeah, are they? By seconds. I mean, I yeah. edit them. And I've got to loop that song underneath. <laughs> Twice, three now. It's gone. We're it's, breaking copyright. No, we're not. Over the shot. It's I know copyright. He's all right. He's a good guy. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that was very Donald Trump, actually. Edit that out. I hate all that. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay, great. So, lovely. Um, I, with timelines, I'm now trying to cover. Yes. The asset. So basically, I'm kind of bullet pointing what we're going to talk about with our artists in this case. So I tried to cover obviously music, him as a person, religion and spirituality. Uh, sp- spirituality. spirituality. Is that right? Am I saying it right? Spiritual. No, that is right. spirituality. Try again. One more. There you go. Yeah. There we go. There we go. That's one. Religion and spirituality. Very good. Anyway, religion and spirituality. So yeah, and also mm-hmm. briefly in the timeline, I talk about the struggles he he goes through. So I'm just trying to sort of encompass. Yeah. Almost, if if our podcast was only five minutes, which it never will be, uh, <laughs> it would you know it, that would be the sort of periphery that we could we could talk about. No, I have to say, like it's it's tough because you're 
you know, you, you decided to take the time on yourself and um, and you having to fit a lot in very quickly. And uh, you're doing yeah. great work. I think it's good. Thanks, guys. Really I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. Um, before we actually start delving in um, to the actual subject, I actually want to say, oh god, another reason I find Little Richard such an inspiration is you have to think of who he was on the surface compared to the time and what he mm-hmm. was doing. Mm. And that, for me, just epitomizes how brave of a man he was. Mm. You know, we're talking like the 50s. We're talking about extreme white privilege in sure. America. And we're talking about a man who was brought up in the South, who was black and gay and sings what they were class as the devil's sure. music. Yeah. And this man essentially grabbed his opportunity in his hand and went out there and did what he wanted to do and became who he wanted mm. to be. Albeit, as some of us know, and we'll find out later, it changing as it went along and him having a struggle with his spirituality. Um, but uh, in general... The fact that I think we always have to keep in mind that this man went out there and did what he wanted to do and brought so many things musically to the world and stayed true to himself. And I Mm. think that is a really amazing thing because even today, as we know, there's such prejudice with so many different Mm -hmm. things like, you know, racism. Um, homophobia and things like that, even today, even, you know, 60, 70 years later, it's still sure. going on. But at the time, we we don't realise, especially us, only being the age mm-hmm. that we are, we don't realise what it's like, especially the fact that we aren't anything like him. And I think the fact that he put himself in the, in, in the public eye and was who he was is just an astonishing thing to do and for anyone to do that whether it be 70 years ago or today is such an amazing brave thing to do and for me is just regardless of what his music you know I love his music but if it was even if it was something that I I wasn't really that interested in which is as you know the complete opposite um it's still an unbelievable thing for someone mm. to do. Definitely. Yeah, he defied everyone. He defied society, defied his own father. Wow, what because, a relationship he yeah. had. His father was... I mean, it's unbelievable, isn't it? And Got kicked out. Such a huge family as well. It's just a different world. Well, I was um, going to mention, actually, I mean, his family. I mean, we could just do a podcast just on his family uh, and mm. the, the, the troubles they had. So growing up in a poor neighbourhood in Georgia... Um, and yeah. also we should mention a little Richard, as he said on a, on a chat show that I found in part of my research for the Donny Osmond, Donny and Marie show. Um, oh, so yeah. he was, can I stop yeah. you there? Can I stop you there? Right. That, that's, there is, that is one of my most favorite little Richard things, right? Because if anyone gets a chance, um, uh, in fact, I'll put it on now and, and just have a listen because he starts coming with Lucille and I don't know if you'll hear it, but if you get a chance, have a watch of it. I urge you, right? 
And as soon as he breaks into Lucille and the band in the studio come yeah. in with him, Donny Osmond's reaction is the best thing in the world. You can see that, like, he's looked up to this man Absolutely. from such a young age. And he, he has got his god yeah. in front of him. And he's all of a sudden breaks into Lucille. And Donny Osmond just loses yeah. it. I'm, I'm going to play. You might not be able to hear it, but I'm going to play it anyway. Um, but if you can't hear it, I urge you to um, have a look. Here it is. You got to do us a favor. Yes. You got to do Lucille. My you gotta favorite. Do, my you favorite. Do, do, you oh, like, do you have a favorite song? Well, yes, I, I love Lucille. It's hard for me to play it without the band. Uh, it's one of those songs that uh, it's, the rhythm is so heavy and so consistent. Would you want them to play along? Uh, but, but see, no, it has, it has this hit, this hit, this thing, you know. The king is talking here. It's, is, so, oh. it's so good, isn't it? It literally so gives you good. goosebumps. Like when you watch it. Have you seen that before, Willie? No, I've not seen that. It's oh. it's great. It's a great. It, it encompasses so much that interview. It's um, in eighties. Did he do it? Eighty seven. No, I, I I think it's nineties. You know. No, it will be. It will be because he talks about his film as well. Yeah, so, I ah. think it's ninety. It looks nineties, but. Yeah, it's it's a really good insight, but you just the way that it's like done, where like the band sort of like dribbles in and out, yeah. and then all of a sudden you get ga 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 Lucy, and oh. like Donny just he just cannot keep it together, yeah. and it's just it's goosebumps, and it's just that's what it's about, you know, and it's amazing. Like I absolutely love that clip. Honestly, pause this podcast right now and go to youtube and write in little richard donny marie and it's the first one that comes up there go about halfway through and you will see it and it's such a lovely moment it's such a lovely moment um sorry tomek i had to jump in there i keep yep. doing this but no, that's all right please carry on what you were saying shall i do a welcome back welcome back if they've gone and then they come back no they'll, they'll come back at oh no because they'll they already would have been pause the podcast yeah got keep, it keep right. this all in. <sighs> i didn't think they were playing it uh, it wouldn't keep playing the podcast and then play the video. Anyway, are you okay, mate? Oh, I'm just having a moment here. Here we go, little Richard. <laughs> so, I should I should mention his family, um, and well, I got to um, talking about uh, how he was born, or rather, how what he was when he was born. Um, he, he said himself that he was a cripple. Mm. He said his arms were not quite the same length and his and his legs certainly weren't yeah like three um, inches short it wasn't one of his legs yeah it's quite a phenomenal distance you know three inches you don't really think is a big deal but when your leg or your arm is it's that a it's much, a big deal for you isn't it mate? it's a well you know i make do um, <laughs> <laughs> just straight off the cuff i just knew something was coming um but yeah so and then he says a really 
horribly shocking thing on the interview and just says, from that day I was born, my dad never saw me as anything other than that. And so right from birth, he's got to push and fight and and prove himself to this yeah. man who you're supposed to look up to your parents. You're supposed to idolize them. And already from the get-go, this man doesn't want anything to do with him. And is it like age five he started dressing up in his mum's mm. clothes and wearing makeup? I mean, that's young as well to be, you know, doing that. And yeah. He's just a little boy, bless him. And he's already got it up against him and was clearly already a performer. Um, and yeah, and obviously growing up in poverty. Uh, and is one of his favorite outlets was the church. Yeah. Um, where he felt he could let loose and kind of be who he was always going to be, and you know that gospel life that he had in um, uh, Macon's New Hope Baptist Church. I don't know if it's still going. Actually, I hope it is. Um, but clearly had such a profound influence on him that he had to, not wanted to, had to perform and use music to express himself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and of course, the that, the traditional. Um, American gospel upbringing of of uh, of music and of song and of all of that sort of thing and that all of that you can see it so clearly and hear it so clearly in it's uh, powerful man it's it's so it's amazing and it's um it's one of those things that when people have been through that school uh, not literal school obviously but that 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 method and manner of upbringing it sort of bleeds through into everything that they do and the way that they hold themselves and the way that they move on stage mm. and the way that they sing is just completely different to anyone who didn't have that sort of lifestyle. You know, it's just a, it's a, a, a broad and all encompassing way of doing things. Uh, mm. Effervescent really, which is exactly what he was, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Just as a bit of a uh, trivia oh, here, yeah. oh. um, the, okay. uh, the Macon Baptist church is still going. Mm. Um, Great, good to hear. Uh, and it was formed uh, on May the thirty first, eighteen ninety one. So, yeah. And, and as you said, it's funny. I mean, I say funny. It's not funny. It's it kind of makes sense, really. But like, you look at a lot of these rock and rollers, you know, and all of them have got this gospel esque, like church background coming through that have given them that flavor you know it's yeah. i mean we know but some people might not but it just kind of shows how influential um that part of someone's life mm. is to creating to being one of the creators of that style of music yeah you know it's sure. such an important ingredient um and it's just it's just fascinating to to sort of think back to when you know people like Jerry Lee Lewis and Little Richard and you know Carl Perkins and Elvis Presley when they went to church like what was it in their head that just like flicked that switch that made them sort of go there's something with this music that is is you know hits something hits a nerve you know obviously religiously but you know what is it what is it that you know makes make makes that hair stand on the back of your neck and, yeah you know yeah. is is eventually going to have an influence you know with with what i do it's it's just it's a, it's a really 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 interesting thing to think about you know yeah so as we know he decided to be a performer and make a career out of it yeah and actually started gigging with none other than rosetta tharp 
who we will cover at some point. A phenomenal, yeah, oh, we'll have to absolutely phenomenal rock and roller. But she was one um, of his idols and a great absolutely. vocal influence, understandably, because I mean, she was, you know, she was a massive, massive presence in those particular communities. Um, and in those those sorts of families, you know, and she was mm. very much one of his absolute favourites. And he would he would sing her songs. That's right, isn't it? Well, he put her on. He sorry, she put him on like near the end of her show. Yeah. Well, she heard him that, singing some of her songs and was like, Yeah, oh, yeah. It's it's. I don't know being where discovered this, by was. your idol. Yeah, I, I assume backstage somewhere because he was performing with other artists, um, either on piano or as a uh, as backing, or by his own right as well. Um, so I would, I would, my Hollywood version in my head is that he's like backstage and just riffing and just singing along and being Little Richard, and she overhears his voice. I think that's exactly help. what happened, pretty much. She oh, went, really? She went to perform in. Uh... In, in Macon in 1947 and she overheard him singing some of her songs and uh, the quote here is that she immediately became a believer it's that thing again wow. uh, and she invited it him to come up and up. sing she invited him that that day to come up and sing with her wow. and then she paid him and then she was the one who convinced him to pursue a career in music because she said you've got wow. it you know whatever it I is mean, if there's anything that's going to make a young person want to pursue a career they want it's it's not only meeting your idol and watching them, but then also being invited up to sing on stage in front of their audience yeah. and then being paid for it. Amazing. That's going to make mm-hmm. you go, hold on a second. I could do this. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Your, your idol becomes your mentor. Oh yeah, my God. Right. Like that's just, that's, you know, again, I mean, he as was we, 14 years old yeah. at this point. And again, Imagine. as we always say, like a lot of this is folklore and we're not right. sure what is, yeah. you know, Chinese whispers and, and, and all this kind of thing. But like, if that is true, that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's obviously truth there, but um, again, you know, being in that position where you can meet someone that you put in such high regard and, and they hear you singing and say, let's get you up on, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it yeah. goes back to that, even our previous pod, um, something that happened around this time is uh, Rocket 88, of course, comes on the scene yeah. and blows the world wide open. And apparently it's it's this song that makes him want to play the piano. It's Ike Turner that makes him want to play yeah. the piano and not just be a singer, which wow. is just amazing. That's, I didn't know that. That's yeah. really interesting. Isn't that, isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I found that out as well. Yeah. Because also he plays piano differently to Jerry Lee Lewis as well. Oh, Jerry yeah. Lee Lewis is very, very technical and very flashy. And very aggressive as well, but they are so different. It was it was the energy going through the the instrument that this word keeps uh, cropping up. Uh, we should mention the fact that it's not necessarily how good he is, but this level of spirituality. Yeah. Um, like it's it's so other. It's so you know if everyone is a line on you know by your head, he's way above you, and it just keeps cropping up. Uh, and also influence wise, let's go back to influences. Yeah. Roy brown who we mentioned last week of course um the one and only the one and only i mean i've from doing this podcast he's he's you know i've looked him up so much now he's, um, so, good. he's so good it's so good so diverse what he does is so good like I and cannot, so flashy and I, yeah. Oh. Um, yeah but apparently he ab- absorbed and, inf- and was influenced by some of his more you know flamboyant mm. persona and showmanship on stage so i imagine as we know the recording industry 
and a live performance industry are not really the same thing. There's, you can be an amazing recording artist and sell loads of records, but when it comes to being a live artist, it yeah. might not work, and vice versa. So, Little Richard, performing with his greats, went, I'm going to go and make some records and make yeah. some money doing what I love. And it didn't quite go to plan. No, you're right. It, it, uh, it didn't go quite according to plan. Um, as we heard in your timeline, um, uh, you know, he had that relationship with uh, Peacock Records. Um, and that's where it didn't go well. You know, I think he possibly thought that he... Um, that, that was his moment. Peacock Records, yeah. I'm signed. I've got these records. I'm going to make them. I'm going to do something with them. But it it didn't hit off exactly how he wanted it did no it? no well he's no. So, he, he he's he's sort of he's so close a few times it's it's a story that keeps on cropping up because a similar thing sort of happens with elvis i suppose if you think about it but little richard um yeah he signs with peacock before then he's with rca and each time he records with them and stuff goes out and it's not particularly successful like he has a few local hits in the local charts mm. in georgia nothing like nationwide nothing nothing on a a, a large scale and there's not much money out of it. He's not particularly shrewd. So he's not able to, like, he's just happy to be performing yeah, and yeah. recording, basically. And yeah, he's, he's, he's not quite, like, he says himself in a few interviews that he wasn't comfortable in the recording studio. And um, he's recording these songs, uh, very bluesy songs and things like that, which obviously he would sing very well. But that, that, that's not really him like he's not he's not a blues singer so that's not how it would go for him you know yeah and uh it, it goes on like this and him recording stuff which isn't really his bag you hear the story all over the shop you hear um buddy holly we heard it with elvis as well going in to sing ballads which elvis actually wanted to sing but that uh, just wasn't making that right sort of impression mm. you know and yet they in in elvis's case obviously they took note of the voice and eventually something came along when they were given the chance to to find a sound. Maybe that's the difference. They were given a chance um, by Sam to, to, to find their sound and uh, given the space to practice and rehearse and all that. And so eventually they stumbled across it. Um, but in, in, in Little Richard's case, that, that didn't happen. He wasn't given the same um, opportunity that Elvis was. And different again because Little Richard, of course, was was writing his own stuff as well. So you have to think, how different would it have been for him, or or rather, if you're going into a recording studio and as we, as I've said before and we've discussed before, it's not the norm for you to bring your own songs into the studio necessarily. Um, mm -hmm. He's obviously not comfortable bringing his own stuff into the studio necessarily, and so he relies on more blue standards and like classic songs and re-recordings and stuff like that mm. to do it in a traditional way and to fit into a mold and he's for all of the the defiance and the effervescence and all of this stuff he's in an environment that he's not familiar with and he's not entirely comfortable with and it it takes him quite a while until um i mean if we move on to to 1955 um and, and specialty records when all of a sudden it, it becomes a different story. But even then, when they're initially doing his um, recordings, they're recording songs and it's not going particularly well. This is one of those ones where you hear a lot of different stories about how this came about, but yeah. um, they're doing lots of recordings and they're working with it. Like it's a great band and all this, and it's all, it's sounding good, but it's not, it's not great. It's not satellites, nothing like that. And some people say that he went to a bar. Some people say that he was just knackered and he went and sat at the piano. Uh, he just started thumping folklore. the keys. It's that like you hear, you read an awful lot of these stories that yeah, people yeah. are told in different ways. And I feel it's one of those things that he, 
like especially someone like him he would love telling the story of how this sort of came about you know and, and so, probably changed it every absolutely. time absolutely <laughs> and it'll be that thing where like he's on some of his cheeky days he's going to be like oh yeah no i wrote it when i was you know um, going to the loo out the back or something like that like i just sort of riding on back. a horse backwards yeah, exactly. in midnight across exactly. the beach in miami exactly Taking yeah my or, clothes off for the audience it, it, yeah which is, i mean he actually did that as we know well so, exactly yeah. that's truth um but yeah so all of a sudden out of somewhere, let's say that it's, I like the bar story. I like that they went and they had a little yeah, beer and there was yeah, a piano cool. in the bar and he sat down and all of a sudden he started playing Tutti Frutti and straight away, uh, old Bumps Blackwell is like, what is going on here? Yeah. This is something else. Yeah. You know? And, but the, yeah. uh, have you boys um, read about the, the original lyrics of Tutti Frutti? Uh-huh. Well, yes. again, I wonder if we'll ever know the true lyrics that he wrote down. Yeah. It's that. It's folklore again. I it mean, is. obviously, there is the, what we know. Ev- is the I mean, lyrics, even but... if, like, maybe maybe there weren't. And maybe the r- lyrics we hear are the original lyrics. And again, maybe, it was man. just his way of, maybe. like, maybe. you know, making, giving the song a bit more, like, mystique. And, and also making his point, like, it could be that he's making a, a, a sexuality point. Just for all the listeners who aren't aware of what the lyrics are about, essentially, they're about... Um, to be delicate, how can you be delicate about it? Well, about don't, don't the bum. Be. About the bum. Yes. And about anal sex. And about gentlemen. It's a, yeah. a lot of his songs, when you listen back to them, are about gentlemen. You know, yeah. Long Tall Sally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Saw Uncle John uh, with bald-headed Sally, yeah, exactly. you know, and things it's like that. It's all very yeah. euphemistic, very, yeah. you know, it's that sort of thing. But yeah, it's, it's saying, uh, if it's too tight, you grease it. It's all that sort of stuff. Like, it's quite crude language. And... Um, and and yet, so you, we, I mean, you have to wonder what actually, oh God, what you have to wonder what actually the original lyrics were. But uh, essentially, um, what Old Bumps did is he hired in um, a lyricist called Dorothy Labostri, great name, and Love she it. came great in. Name. Apparently, she was dreadful with melodies, but she um, able to she was able to apply um, like acceptable lyrics to this song, and she did a great job because. She did Tutti Frutti, oh, Rudy. That's what she came up with. And in fairness, it's iconic. Yeah, it's 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 So maybe she was a genius. She didn't have long to do it, though, because when they recorded Tutti Frutti, it was the last one of the session. Oh, yeah. Uh, They only had, uh, I read that they only had 15 minutes left on this recording session to get this done. And they did it in three takes. Yeah, and so did time they though? In- do you know? What oh, I, mean? I don't know. Do you know? It's, it's these just let things, me have isn't it. it? Let me have it. It's it would be it's so romantic. It would be perfect. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, Tommy. Well, carry on. Yeah. No, also, I know. Something I we know. we do know that they and this is something that I absolutely love. I love the technical aspects of like um, stagecraft, basically. And mm-hmm. so um, they're recording on three tracks at this point. So and there's there's a horn player on it, obviously, and there's mm-hmm. not there's no chance of overdubbing. Like, that's it. That's all they've got. They've got the three tracks. So when um, Little Richard does his huge scream, it's to cue the sax solo. That's what I read. That's what I heard. Amazing. And it's something that we all do. I do it myself. I shout and I scream and I do silly things to let people know where we are in the song. And that's literally what he's doing. Yeah. I love that. I love that it's, it's not only is it this, and obviously he does it in this ridiculous, huge way. 
um, which no one else would ever do and would ever have dreamed of doing, just screaming and destroying a microphone. I mean, you could, but you'd <laughs> never, ever talk again. Yeah. Oh, like, my God. But it's I, I love that it's got a practical thing as well yeah, that he's doing that's because so he cool. knows what's going on. Yeah, that's so, so cool. Oh, it's amazing. Um, I think I also... In, sorry, go, go on, Tom. No, I was just going to say, just talking about um, young Dorothy, La Bostie. Um Apparently, La Bostie. I... Yeah, no, that's better pronunciation. I just had, I have a feeling that she was just lingering around the studio, just kind of trying to get a hit. This is like, the more I read up about her, Painting she was just like, this poor woman. Nah, I don't know. Well, people talk, don't they, and things. And I'm not saying they're all right, as we, as we've learned on doing this podcast, but there was just a, what do you like mean an linger? Do you mean loitering? Yeah, just sort of just, lingering, loitering, just, what? just, just sort, sort of, of hanging around. Thinking of any excuse the, to just, just and there then in the shadows, some, like... Well, because we should also talk about lyric change. Now, I don't know about you, but I imagine Little Richard probably wasn't very happy about said lyrics change. Or would he have just been like, yeah, think, fair enough. I think not, we're not point, ready for this. At this point, I think he's just happy to that they're excited about what he's doing. Because you imagine being sure. in this situation, this is the third time that he's been signed to someone, has been recording and it's not going well. I think sure. at this point, he's just praying that something's good. Like he said himself that... He thanks God that Tutti Frutti came along because yeah. otherwise he'd have been absolutely nothing. I think he's, mm. I think he's, okay. he completely accepts it, and he, I, I don't think he's trying to, to, um, to change the world. So he's not right. worried about that sort of thing at this point. Um, I don't think he necessarily like he lives his life a certain way, but he's not like a campaigner. Uh, in the same okay. way that other artists are. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? It's interesting. It's just um, from all my research, it just sort of says, yeah, and they did the lyric change and moved on and i just sort of went hold on it's all about what little richard did and was and yeah. is and i just there's a bit of me just sort of goes oh, i can't imagine he was thrilled about that idea but yeah it's I true guess. the, the um, other another one other cool thing about that song is um earl palmer who was playing drums who's actually a very famous drummer oh, as well yes. uh yes, it's I'm absolutely awesome so that this in this instance he talks about there being um no rehearsal uh essentially he didn't have the time uh, or they didn't have the time to do it. And the he, Little Richard didn't play piano on the other songs on that album. A chap called Huey Piano Smith did. And what I've always said, played? if you have to have piano in your name, you aren't a pianist. Yeah, but what if he was actually born and that is his, his name? What, yeah. with the inverted commas as well? Mate, people <laughs> like be. to be original. Oh, it was a different yeah. world, wasn't it? Yeah. We've, we've lost the inverted commas thing. I think we should bring it back. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually to... Tomek Kazoo Savinsky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet you're a great kazoo player. Yeah, you I really bet you are. Um, but yeah, so um, Earl Palmer <laughs> is um, prolific, like prolific, prolific drummer. Yeah. And he was saying that, yeah, there was no rehearsal. Little Richard suddenly on the piano and he's pounding out this massive rhythm. And uh, essentially, he says that the only reason he came up with the beat is that he was listening to Little Richard's right hand, which was going absolutely insane, as we know that it does. And he starts playing a shuffle. And when he, he's listened to it back since and he says that, oh, I should have been playing a, a straight rock beat. Yeah. And we get that thing, we, which we've talked about quite a lot, of that clash between shuffle and straight. It's the fighting. It was, and as all these things are, it was an accident and it got recorded. And because they were great yeah. musicians, they made it work in the moment. And all of a sudden, essentially, this brand new battle style of rhythm comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. We, yeah. I think it's um, important to also maybe talk a bit about a gentleman called Pat Boone. Oh, yeah. At uh, this point. Um, Boone? So Pat Boone was... <laughs> Pat, 
Oh, how do I put this? Be delicate. <sighs> shall I be delicate or shall I be me? Uh, are you not delicate? Am I delicate? Yeah. Do you think? You're a delicate flower. Do you think so? Yeah. Stop all this. The, all the time. <laughs> Sorry, we're flirting. Um, <laughs> Pat, I think I'm in. Pat, Pat, definitely is. <laughs> um, Pat Boone um, was a white... Very mm-hmm. clean cut singer. No, I didn't say rock and roll singer. Who was very well known for re-recording very famous rock and roll tracks uh, of the time by black artists. By black artists predominantly, um, and uh, releasing them and actually doing really, really, really mm-hmm. well with them. Much, much better than the original. Yeah, but the issue is is that it wasn't rock and roll. No, of course not. No, it was, no, it wasn't. It, it was whitewashed in every it sense. It was completely whitewashed in every sense. And he brought out Tutti Fruity and he smashed the billboard. And that mainly was because he appealed a lot more to the uh, white listeners. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden... Tutti Fruit became very, very popular. Um, Little Richard obviously did quite well out of this, mm. um, but he um, kind of wasn't happy about what his song had been turned into, understandably. So when he released Long Tall Sally, he purposely made it as fast as possible so that Pat Boone couldn't understand the lyrics. So good. That's um, so good. And you, there's actually... So many interviews out there where you hear Little Richard saying that he say, you know, you know, uh, Pat Boone uh, released Tutti Fruity and and did really really well with it, and I was kind of a little bit, you know, you know, pissed about it, and so I decided that I was going to write another song, uh, Long Till Sally, and I wanted to make it as fast as possible so that he couldn't pick up or get the right lyrics. Um, I'm so glad he did that. Which is and actually, which is so good because he's just like fighting back against the system. You know, it's that rebellion, that yeah. sense of rebellion that we always think also, rock and roll is, you know, very early on. It makes me, when I learn about this and also, you know, other artists, as we know, covered Little Richard, but there's something about his songs that nobody quite did what he did with his own, with his own stuff. Um, uh, and this, you know, it makes me upset in a way that obviously that these other artists did better than little richard did in terms of the chart w- with his own material but what makes me most upset actually is little richard's reaction in a way in the sense that he doesn't get really angry and call lawyers and and maybe he doesn't have that power at that point i don't know but it's almost like he's just sort of like yeah i mean this was to be expected obviously and it's I, that's that's what upsets me most i but think do you think that's that he's used do you to think that. that's yeah but do you think that's possibly from being brought up in a world where racism and prejudice is around every corner on every street and I mean, so you just kind of think well no matter what i do in this world something's going to come back and bite me you know and, and I mean, you just kind of have to put yeah. up with it um I, I can't i can't speak for the black community myself and as i as i'm not black but i personally this this is what frustrates me and we we all talk about you know how, how the rock and roll world came from black artists and the black community and again the white community just trying to snatch it away from him and from birth it's just it's being snatched snatched away and just gets me really really not beyond irritated angry and what the the lovely positive thing about this whole story 
is that he doesn't try and get even. He doesn't try and one up him. Doesn't he does that through his music? Yeah, and that absolutely. not only is it a better story, but wow, I am more inspired, and he's more of an idol for doing that. It's in kind, my opinion. But what, but what I think is amazing is, is the difference in. Um, let's play a little bit of Pat Boone's Tutti Fruity. Oh. No, in fact, let's play a little bit of Little Richard's Tutti Fruity. Yes. And then let's play a bit of Pat Boone's Tutti Fruity. And we can sort of rip it apart and demolish yeah. the thing. Rip it up. What a load of shit. There's no comparison, is there? It's amazing. Is there... I mean, it's kind of like the old example one. How did the, that do better? The how? ultimate rock and roll song. Example two. <laughs> my uncle Calvin's just done a new <laughs> song and he wants everyone to hear it. And I'm going to send it you to know, you as a Christmas present on a CD-ROM. Like it's you know, that I, kind I, of like. It's true. It's you listen to it. And like, this is what I was going to say. Like you listen to the Little Richard tracks and you've got like those those mistakes that raw like grindy four track reel to reel picking up that screen the peaking of of that mic that 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 ribbon microphone because because his his diaphragm is like kicking the wind out of him you know and you've got i mean for me i personally think that little richard saxophone player is one of the best rock and roll saxophone players that oh, ever lived of all yeah. time because absolutely he, he squeals and he just you know it's like stamping on a pig you just got that mm. it's it's unbelievable and you've got that real raw dirty rusty energy that is there's it is what it is and you enjoy it or you don't if you like it take it if you don't then just just go right but then you compare yeah, that don't to, do a nice don't do a nice version of it. If you're right, if you don't like Little Richard's version of it, fine, have your reasons, but don't try and dull it down and sanitize it and and make it not what the song is. It's not about that. It's not yeah. about how nice can we play it for the children. It isn't that song. Yeah, you've so got the you've got the yeah. you've got the brass in that song just kind of sat there just pumping along in the background. Very nice EQ. Everything is very compressed and it's very normal. Nothing's very changing and it's very, you know it's that real everything. There's 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 no flair. There's no guts. There's no there there is no rock and roll in that track. If there's no. any example to show you that rock and roll isn't necessarily just a genre that you can say, this is rock and roll, that isn't rock and roll. You know, we've said this on, on previous episodes, like rock and roll is a feeling. Rock and roll is more than just a genre. It's it's a sense. It's a choice. It's, it's, it's a love. It's a passion. 
it's a hate, it's a fight. And I believe Pat Boone's version of Tutti Frutti isn't any of that. It's not rock and roll. That's it. Full stop. I'm putting my foot down, lads. You know what? Fair Good. enough. Fair enough. I'd actually love to do that. I'd love to play that to people who are not in the know, play both of them and say, what is the difference? Boys, I think before we move away from this absolutely incredible song, we should talk about the very, very beginning because it's a very famous thing. And again, oh, yeah. there are lots of, um, lots of you know, differing tales about how, about how this uh, came to being a wah ba bam boom that where does that come from where do we what have we all got i've heard different things from different oh, people uh, t- uh living in georgia right by the railroad um and he says this actually in the donnie and marie interview he says about how you know there's sometimes four in a bed and sometimes some of my brothers and sisters we slept on the floor and being so close to the railroad he heard like this rhythm is and so that became a one bamboo 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 interesting and he you know kind of had like an inner rhythm we talk about this on stage all the time don't you like what's your inner fire what's your inner rhythm it sounds really cheesy but it is so useful you know and you know if we're not going on stage wanting to punch somebody doing rock and roll then we're not doing it right which is why pat boone's version is so not rock and roll makes you want to punch pat um, boone. yeah exactly that's the and, irony of it isn't it yeah <laughs> everyone in the audience is the very guy. rock and roll at that moment <laughs> i'm sure he's a lovely guy and i'm sure you know but anyway we all have our reservations he was handed the shitty end of the stick wasn't he yeah yeah, but, I'm, you know, but he had a lovely life out of it, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. I'm sure I don't feel too bad um, for him. Yeah. So, yeah that's an um, interesting I one, Tommy. Yeah, I've, I've heard, heard the that. rhythm of that. Yeah. I've heard that before as well, um, him living by the railroad tracks. But I heard it, that was more of a general thing, that he, the train would shake their houses. It's, it's a quote from the man himself, right. in fact. Um, the train mm. would shake the houses at night. Uh, I would hear it as a boy, and I thought, I'm going to make a song that sounds like that. And that's really interesting, isn't it? That f- it, it? That sounds like the feeling of the house being shaken mm. by a train going past. That's that's Which just completely it's a juxtaposition visceral. Because your house, your house should be safe. And true, if it's being shaken, then you don't feel safe. And yet he wanted to create music that didn't but, make him feel safe. Well, I suppose, I well mean, yeah, I suppose that's it. That's the danger of it, isn't it? And it's him being yeah. shaken on a fundamental level, even in his safest place, that he's not mm. entirely comfortable and he wants... He wants mm-hmm. to be out there on the edge. Look, you can take you can take it oh, as far as you want to take it, but it could be as much that. as that. Like he wants to be on the on the knife edge as much as anything else, you know. But yeah, but yeah. if we so that's where you heard about the the intro to Tutti Frutti coming from. Um, Jay, mm-hmm. have you got a differing story to that one? No, have you not? No, I I'm don't. I'm sure you've told me a different story yeah. about that before. Um, what was it? Do you remember? It that? wasn't it about a drum fill. Oh, maybe. Maybe not. Oh, never mind. Not an issue. I thought it was... Did you not say something about... Was it scat singing? You can express yourself using not words. I'm sure it was something like that. I'm sure you've said something about that before. Because I, I, I said have, it once before going remember. on stage and you went, don't say that. Any little Richard can say that. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely something like that. And I went, oh, okay, that? that's me told. That does, sound, does sound like I me. mean, that absolutely is you. <laughs> that can't be anyone yeah. else. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely did. No, I think from what I've heard, I've heard it was like Tomek said, it was the train thing. Um, but 
I know that he has said a couple of different things in a couple of different interviews. So again, maybe I just sort of took it at face value rather than thinking too much into it. Yeah, I've Um, also also heard that because as we haven't discussed really, um, after uh, after his two relative failures um, with his two previous signings when he left Peacock. Um, well, no, he's still officially still signed to Peacock at this point, but he's making no money. So he's working as um, washing dishes, essentially, for Greyhound lines. You get slightly different things. Some oh, people say yes. he was a janitor and all this. This is the classic no, stuff. No, he was definitely washing dishes because in, in interviews he, he would say... He was working That in the is kitchen. one of the things he said about the bubble. But he said he would he would, he would would be there washing dishes and yeah. he, would, he would be singing to himself and making up tunes. And that's when he came up with the... Um, the beginning of Tutti Fruity and started making it into a song. That's right. Um, so that's that's where I heard that that, that, that it originated from. But, yeah. Uh, you know wh- where he thought of the idea was was washing dishes. So it might be that maybe he did other work at the same time. But absolutely, you're you're absolutely right. So he was working a Greyhound bus station as a dishwasher, and um, the quote is he told this to Rolling Stone. In fact. Uh, he couldn't talk back to his boss, so uh, he would bring all these pots back for me to wash. And one day he said, I've got to do something to stop this man bringing back all these pots for me to wash. And he said, a what babalooba, a what bamboom, take them out. And that's what he meant at the time. Uh, it's just, And it, he's also suggested that it was kind of his catchphrase when people would ask him how he was doing, he would say that. Um, and it's it's a big uh, sort of summation, a big summary of, of that thing, which I've I've mentioned before, which he calls quite literally that thing. Um, which is that he he is all about expressing your emotions without using actual words. So it's sort mm. of like sort of like scat singing in a way, but in yeah. the same way that um, like, improvisation and in jazz yeah. and in rock and roll is it's completely like different. It comes from a different place. Contemporary dance. <sighs> Hello, Jay's Metaphorsborn. Ah. Jay's Metaphors. How did you get on in a level dance? Um, you get a level nine. No, what did I get? Oh, they don't uh, do level. I did a no. So days. I did like a joint thing. So for international uh, listeners, this is, this would be uh, this would be the two years before college, and for yep. English uh, English people, that would be college. And I did a. Why are we talking about this? No, I no, no. Fine. We need to know now. I did fine. What did you get? What did you get? <laughs> it was like a joint thing with acting and singing. No, I and... didn't. I didn't ask what it was. What did you get? Um, I think I got a merit. You didn't get a grade. No, because it was part of like a like a, a joint thing. It was a B Tech. So oh, here we go. Oh, Old right. B Tech over here he is. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that could, that's your middle name with the inverted with commas. the inverted commas. Yeah, <laughs> wow, I'm going to start calling you B Tech. Do you know what I thought of last night? Which is kind of weird, but actually really really cool. Is this while you were in my conservatory? Yes. Good. <laughs> Which is where I've been sleeping for the last three weeks. That's rock and roll. Smashing that, life, Jay. Well that is rock and roll. You're smashing life. Brilliant thing. Cheers, mate. Surrounded I'm, by whiskey I'm, and guitars. I'm moving house. Yeah, and I am surrounded by whiskey and guitars, so I'm a happy, happy man. <laughs> I was thinking last night, do you think that Greyhound station is still there? And do you think that sink is still there? Oh. And do you think I could buy that sink and put it in my new place? I mean, you'd have to ship oh. it over, wouldn't you? It, but it'd be worth it. Have people come around being like, oh, that's a bit of a different sink. Yeah. Would this... people look at that? They'd look at it and go, what is that horrible old sink? <laughs> and then I'd go, yeah. that's the sink that little Richard wrote Tutti Fruity in. 
I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it could be cool. Oh come on! Yeah. I'm not sure if it's worth like seven hundred and fifty dollars to ship it over or whatever it would cost. It, it I bet it's a is. big thing. I'd swim that on my yeah. back over here. Okay, right. I'll tell you what. You you, would, you, you do that. It. That's a better story. <laughs> that, oh well, how'd you get that that sink? Oh, oh, I swam it over on my back. <laughs> Oh, and Ridiculous. it happens to be Little Richard sing. Like a really tired pink turtle. I and mean, we wonder where bizarre. rock and roll folklore comes from. Yeah, it's from it's from old Swimming tortoise over here. Oh, turtle, excuse me. <laughs> oh, excuse dear. me. But no, you're right. Now, so yeah, he, he allegedly that, uh, that those are the alleged sources of this. But he absolutely worked in that kitchen. And he says himself, he wrote Tutti Frutti in there. He wrote Good Golly Miss Molly in there. And he wrote Long Tall Sally in there among presumably among others but yes yeah. he says that himself that he wrote them in that kitchen the classic thing of he you know he 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 had been struggling and um all of a sudden he was doing the mundane day-to-day job that you know crazy creative people just, and he was doing like and he was do. doing that job because his father had passed away yeah and he had sort of re- Very tragic, or, although yeah. although he had been kicked out by his father years before that he uh, had sort of returned back to the family and essentially was their breadwinner. He yeah. was he was he was trying to make money to to, to keep them fed. Yeah. Um. He said that another thing about Tutti Frutti was that thank God it came along because it was able to feed exactly, my family. Exactly. Yeah. So mm. you know it's uh it's 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 an amazing story that oh. he you know created those those things absolutely in my new sink. Well. I, yeah, in your new sink. I was just going to say as well the the amount of hits that came out after Tutti Frutti. So it recorded eight tracks and Tutti Frutti, or was it the eighth track? I can't remember. It, it was definitely last on this album for, for his first record deal with Speciality yeah, Records. Yeah, I think it's eight and Tutti Frutti. Eight and Tutti Frutti, right? Um, and weirdly, they put it as the last track on this album as well. Like, surely yeah. whoever organizes the list, you want your hits near the start of the album. And anyway, I thought that was odd. Um, but from that, he needed another hit as you were, as you know, kind of got the fix of feeding his family or yeah. rather wanting, wanting to do better. Um, and he's kind of didn't have time to necessarily write a hit. So he kind of looked what was in his arsenal that he could use to maybe change or write another hit. Yeah. And, um, he actually had a ballad called Directly From My Heart To You. Lovely. Uh, which he recorded as a member with the Johnny Otis Band in 1955. Mm. Um, it's a lovely track. It's a lovely ballad. Um, and I'll be I'll be damned if any listener out there is going, this isn't Lucille. If you listen to the rhythm, although it's a ballad, you can hear the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Ah, there you go. All right, let's, um, let's have a listen. Hold I think on. we've got to Give now. it a listen. riffing like, yeah it's just, it's already there that's it's, two years yeah prior to well there's well there's another track there's another track that i want to show you guys um which is okay. um a very early little richard track that i absolutely love and it's it's very ballady um 
but it um it's called baby and he sings it with his backing band uh the upsetters uh, uh yes and the recording's really lovely because at the um at the start he's he sort of introduces it um which is really 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 sweet uh and and then they break into the song but you hear his voice and it's just unreal just unedited unadulterated he could just turn it on he'd be mid-conversation like we are now and then just suddenly go wah you know yeah, like and yeah. just nail it but just time. have a listen to this it's amazing uh, ladies and gentlemen good evening I'm glad to be here, and I hope you are the same. So, Mr. Aru, you are now finna hear Little Richard and his upsetters. We sustain the name of the upsetters. And at this time, I'm gonna do my recording of Baby on the other side, which is uh, uh, one that I've made, and I hope that you like it too. All right, boys, get Baby upset. <laughs> Baby, that wasn't. Was that with speciality, or was that us? Um, yeah. That must have been before, surely. Yeah, I, I think th- it. Yeah, there's something about that. I mean, I can hear little Richard. I mean, that also... that is the demo of it. Um, oh really? Yeah. If you if 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 you're putting that into into your search bar, into your favoured music uh, listening app, um, if you type in "Little Richard Baby." it will come up with the actual release. But that was the pre-release demo of that. Right. Um, There's something about that, that his, like, his wings haven't quite taken flight, in that his voice is amazing. And as we've spoken before, his riffing is is next to none. You know, yeah, it's, phenomenal. It's brilliant. But when you compare that to what he does when he's allowed to get running... Yeah. You know, once... Um, but, you know, how would you know that's what people want to hear? How would you know? Like, if I said to you right now, you've got to sing a song, but I need you to go absolutely crazy. And and I don't want you to be human anymore. I want you to be a God figure. You'd be like, yeah. yeah may. And then I turn around and say, that's exactly what people want. That might be what he thought at the time. Because, you know, and also we've got, you should talk about marketing mm. in the sense that people, or rather, I think it was Bumps, wanted him or saw of him as another Ray Charles who is blues mm. and, and rhythm and blues. Plays piano. Uh, yeah, yeah, plays piano, uh, fits into that target market. And sure. he said, I'm honoured. I mean, that's, that's you know definitely one of my influences. However, I'm not him. We've already got him. I see myself as more of a Fats Domino. And and people just kind of like shrugged that off. And he just was never happy with... Which is crazy because he's not Fats at all. Like, not at if all. If anything, he's but probably way... closer to Ray. Yeah. <laughs> Vocally. Yeah, that's you know? funny. But he was trying to express that he's not blues and not not rhythm and blues. He he's rock and roll, 
and didn't have the maybe the language or the dexterity to sort of say no it's not it's not quite right um and it's just trying to be pigeonholed and yet as we've spoken before how he is just it's like no i need to do my own thing i need to pursue little richard's way as it were um but i just i i find that yeah that's a it's a great tune baby um but yes i was i was just going to talk about lucille straight from directly from my heart oh, to you i mean which is as as we all know is one of our and i say our as in myself willie and tomek or politely yeah. put willie tomek and i very um, good very good i knew you'd like that or even more politer willie no. i didn't like even more politer tomek oh did you not like that no no because that's not more... polite because then i'm last again it... yeah but that's... that wasn't what i didn't like oh what was it you didn't Just like good. even more politer is that not a word oh i thought you were right. even more polite there you go that doesn't sound right like <laughs> silly i've forgotten what i was gonna say you're talking about lucille oh yeah which I have to say, and I say it on behalf of us, and I think you will agree, is one of our absolute favourite rock and roll songs oh, yeah. of all time. Yeah. It's yeah, top top three. And and we, I don't think we've done a gig where we haven't played it. No, I I insist no. on it. Yeah, I don't think we can do a gig without playing it. No, no, it's, it's something too about good. it. In fact, we were having a band meeting today, uh, discussing the big three. Uh, another shameful plug. Um, <laughs> Of our sort of first gig back um, uh, next month, um, details will follow. Um, <laughs> and the first thing we said was, "Let's open with Lucille." Um, you know, it's it's right there at the front because it's just you know, that song my, is just one of my favourite memories of doing this song because we've not only performed it, we've also recorded it. We have in in our own way. And there was a bit where Christopher Woody Weeks uh, was Tomek in the booth. Hi on the lead vocals hi chris um and it was great he was singing the singing the notes and then jay just like we were all we do you remember we were all like um at the mixing desk and we just sort of went there's not something not quite right you stormed out of your chair went into the booth and went when you're when you scream i want you to hurt i want it to hurt you i did say that didn't can I? can you remember doing this yeah can you remember doing this i want it to hurt and then you slam the door and then we press play on the record and then this scream chris that you released can you remember doing it as well uh yeah yeah fiction is it fiction yeah 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 because yeah, i remember you grabbing your throat straight away going god god <laughs> wouldn't be able to do that at a gig and, I, and jay was like you are you're doing that at the next gig that we have you did? it's one of my fondest memories of of us recording and I have to say, your vocals on that track, um, oh, they're just amazing. I mean, they're not Little Richard. and No, how, could they, how could they ever be? But we do it our own way. But yeah. we're, we're, we're digressing. Um, you know, Lucille, as a, as a rock and roll track, for me, has, has to be in my at least top 10 favourite rock and roll tracks. Yeah. 10? I think it's mine as well. For you? Oh, for me, five? it's like, it might be the best one. Wow! Like I mean, oh. I throw one at me that's better. I mean, because I reckon we were going to cover that when the non-artist week. What's our oh, favorite sorry, rock and roll it. track? Oh, that is a good one. No, well, you we didn't know that, but I mean, you already you, you've summed. I mean, up, I, so I would try and argue my way out of it, but my gut feeling. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I, great. I'm I glad it absolutely is. adore that song. I mean, it's definitely my favorite Little Richard song. 
And I love a lot of Little Richard songs. It's not my favourite Little Richard song. What's your favourite? Uh, Short Fat Fanny. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Which isn't his song. It's a cover. But the way he covers it is just unbelievable. It's just like a collage of rock and roll songs all in one. And it just... But then, but then I think about things like Slippin' and Sliding and then Rip It Up and, you know, and then Baby that we just listened to. Ready Teddy. Oh, Ready Teddy. And it just, it, you know, the list literally goes on and on. And it's one of those artists where you kind of go, um, you know, someone will say, oh, do you like this song? And you go, oh, my God, I love that song. It's my favourite song. Oh, but yeah, but then there's this one and then there's that one. And then, oh, I got to, yeah, you know. That whole that whole recording session where oh. it's just like, oh yeah, the same one that did Rip It Up, Ready Teddy, Long Soul Sally, like from like one session, you're like, no, it can't be. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's it's unreal. What I like about Little Richard as well, when he's being interviewed, um, the Chilies do this actually, as in the Red Hot Chili Peppers, when they're talking about Give It Away, um, that track, Anthony Kiedis just goes, it's just a party song, man. It doesn't really mean much. It's just to get people going. Yeah. And Little Richard was doing that back then. He just said, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the lyrics just serve the rhythm. I mean, it's nonsensical, my lyrics. Lucille, won't you do your sister's will? I mean, it's just, you know, it needs to serve the rhythm. He wasn't really fussed yeah, about the lyrics. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and just love the fact he's just like, I just want people to have a good time. It doesn't mean, stop looking into it. It doesn't mean anything. It's just to have fun. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. that. And he would, of course, he would um, do the classic thing now of trying out these songs on crowds and seeing how they went down and all that sort of thing, which you think of as being uh, like a staple of, of songwriting and artists before they come into the studio. I suppose for as he was writing the songs as well, it was a, another new and revolutionary thing like at the mm. time, you know? Yeah, oh, 100%. And then yeah, I think it's that, isn't it? They're, they're going. How did you write those lyrics? How did you? How did yeah. you create rock and roll? You know, there's some people that would have thought that he did. You know, and he's just there going, I don't know, just just serving. The yeah, rhythm. it just I it think just it's that, isn't it? You just, know, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's same thing with um, what I'd say and Ray Charles and that. You know, it's just it, it happened one night and it started to work and it, it worked a little bit differently the next night and it just was slowly carved based on based on what worked rather than on you know telling a story or having some great. Uh, emotional depth or, or I don't know biographical stuff it's there to to serve the sure. audience I think it's mm. we should now move on to talking about him and his public personality go on oh, that is great Little Richard um and I wanted to uh play an interview um oh, and here we go have a listen and uh, and we'll talk about it because this is just, you know, this is Little Richard. Little Richard, it's now um, 16 years since you had your first hits. Oh, uh, yes. Do you realise that, uh, well, you must realise that at your performances, now there are people who weren't even al- alive when you first began uh, recording. Yes, but I have woke them up now. Everybody that wasn't alive when I started and was gone, I have brought the spirit and put it on them. They have resurrected. They are here now and will be out there on Saturday night to hear me at Wembley Stadium when I'm going to let it all hang out. Could I say something? Go ahead. Let it all hang out with the beautiful little Richard from down in Macon, Georgia. I am the king of rock and roll. Ow, ow. Oh, my, 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 my. I just had to do that. Now I feel so much better. I got it out. Were you always so shy? Huh? Were you always so shy? No, I'm Legacy. not. 
A lot of people say I'm shy, but ooh-wee, I'm not. Tell me now, um, in 1956, you had a lot of hits. But before that, what were you doing? I was a dishwasher at the Greyhound bus station in my hometown, Macon, Georgia. I had been washing plates for so long, I was tired. And I wrote, Tutti Fruity and Good Golly Miss Molly, and bless your soul, I got out of the kitchen. Long, tall Santa just took me on to California, and I stayed there. Do you always dress like that? Or? Every day. I go to the grocery store like this, and people turn around. When I walked in the airport here in London today, a man dropped his cup of coffee. <laughs> I notice you're wearing makeup. Do you wear makeup? Yes, I do. All I the know time? That, yes, you're supposed to wear makeup. Just, you know, just like when you to- toast your bread. No. I put sugar in your coffee. You're supposed to add a little touch to it. Yes, I must remember that. Yes, God. You're supposed to do it. I, you know, uh, uh, I got a new record coming out. Uh, it'll be released here on Friday. And the name of it is called Mockingbird Sally. Now, this is soul music you're into now. Oh, you rock and roll. Oh, it's excuse soul. me. It's soul. Yeah. I'm the king of rock and roll, and I'm also the emancipator of soul and the creator and the originator. My God. How did you develop your particular style, your resonant a voice? Well, uh, you know, uh, I used to be an opera singer. I used to sing opera. You didn't know that? I didn't know. music? No, I didn't you know, know that. that? I'm so, no, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, so, so you used to go all over the way up. Then I started singing rock. Uh, I was playing for the church. My grandfather was a preacher, Reverend Peniman. He died. I used to play for him every Sunday morning because he was take up collections about seven times. You know, just one more penny, mm-hmm. just one more quarter. And the more you give him, he'd still wanted another one. So I used to play two to fruit and long tall Sally while he'd be preaching. But he didn't know it. <laughs> they'd be shouting, throwing empty pocketbooks and purses up on the stage, whatever they call them in the country. And I played. And so finally, when Lord Price heard me, and I sent a tape. And Bumps Blackwell met me in New Orleans. And my first record came out and hit. And did you know that Elvis Presley and Pat Boone sold more of Two the Fruity than I did? And I wrote it and sung it. Did that bother you? No, it didn't. It made me feel good. They opened a the door that was locked and I couldn't get in. And I wrote it. But you got in afterwards? Yes, I did. And now my wife and my little boy, they're happy with me with Two the Fruity. And then when you were really on top in 57... I'm on top now. Oh, but when you were really enormous. I'm you know. enormous now. Just said that I ain't got my light on up there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Initially, when you were enormous, right? God bless your heart. In 1957, 58, yes. you retired. There was a story that you threw... Eight thousand pounds worth of rings over Sydney Harbour Bridge. I did, that and true? I would like to find that fish that got them. <laughs> I don't know where he went. Uh, you came back in '63, about mm-hmm. right? No, um, I came back in '60. Oh, that's sweet, when yeah. I. That's when I took the Beatles with me. See, I played uh, a, a Liverpool for Brian Epstein. He had a record store, and I took the Beatles and Mick Jagger with me. Mick Jagger was living on a truck. I had Jimi Hendrix playing guitar for me. I had Billy Preston on the organ, James Brown, and Joe Tex was my vocalist. I had all of them. That's the reason I'm the king. All of them came from me. Poor little old bitty me, a little Jewish boy, Black Bottom from Georgia. <laughs> I mean, if anyone hears that and doesn't laugh, they have no sense of uh, uh, just ah, oh, goodness. I mean, he's so amazing. Isn't That's he? little Richard, I, though. I, like, just I really joyful. miss him. I, I really, really miss him as an artist and as a person. I mean, just he makes me smile. I listen to his music. He makes me smile. He makes me laugh. I just, I think he's just one of. The, I would love to have met him. Oh, I think he's just an awesome, can you amazing imagine? person. 
he um you look at any interview he's done you know just type it in youtube or in google and stuff and like every inter- uh, interview he's in he's exactly like that yeah he's just <laughs> he's like this crazy character that um it's just larger than life yes, he's effervescent yeah he's 100%. burning away like a star and and he's so good and he knows it and i think that's okay to know it because yeah. it's little richard like yeah you know no way he doesn't I love his little stories as well. I mean, I mean, the guy interviewing him. Uh, do you know? I don't know who's interviewing him, but he's the most. I think it was Pat. Sound- I think it was Pat Boone. <laughs> it wasn't Pat Boone. He's <laughs> the most unrock and roll man interviewing him. And do you know what? Well, what year was that interview? Did it um, take place in the sixties. No, no, 60s? it was it was later than that. I think it was seventy something. Um, right. It's a good 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 shout. Let me have a quick look. Uh, I just I, t- I don't know. I just again. It's fighting uh, that year. System. That year is um, 1972. So yeah, uh, right. it was 1972. He looks great though, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. doesn't he look amazing? He looks amazing. Oh, uh, and I don't know. I just feel like again, he's sort of fighting this very square and ordinary interviewer. I'm sure he's not, but in terms of this interview, he is. Um, well, he is, but and, he's also uh, teasing him as well because he said, "You remember when yeah, he says, uh, 'Oh, fun with bless it. your heart.' When he says that, it's like, yeah, 'Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. I'm having fun, and you're getting yeah. the the pointy end of it.' But thanks for playing a lot. Like, there's that going on yeah. as well, you know. So, like, he 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 does understand what he must be like for an interviewer. Do you, do you think this interviewer did any research? Like, if I was interviewing Richard and I turned around and said, "So, when you were big, like, <laughs> what answer?" Are yeah. you expecting to get from Why little Richard? You, like, well, I'm still big now. Kanye West. <laughs> if you ask Kanye West, like when you were when you were huge back in the early noughties, imagine saying that's it. It'd be the it'd be the exact same. Yeah. Why would you just? Why would you do it? Do your research. You know. It's yeah. True. Yeah. Um, just do your research. Uh, he's he is the king slash queen as he quoted himself. Yeah. Um, of rock and roll, and I just want to talk also about influences. I did say that at the start. Oh yeah. Uh, on my list, I have. Elton John, yeah, Queen, yeah, Motorhead, Led yeah. Zeppelin, obviously the Beatles, and obviously Prince, of course. And I have very, I mean, with Little Richard, where do you start with quotes? I, I got, are you going to say the Prince quote that I hope you're going to say in regards to I a better, specific uh, specific oh, color? Baby, oh baby, oh baby, boy, it better be. Um, uh, well, like, okay, well, okay, well, I guess it's time for. Prince is the little Richard of his generation, Richard told Joan Rivers in 1989 before looking at the camera and addressing Prince. I was wearing purple before you was wearing it. (laughs) It's so good. But looking down the camera like as if he is like looking straight (laughs) into Prince's soul, who at that time was one of the biggest artists yeah. in the world ever. Turn around and say, yeah, I was wearing purple before you, baby. Like, you know, it's just, it's so good. Just so good. Absolutely. It's that, yeah. And, you know, I, you know when you wonder why people thought rock and rollers were a threat? When you have a direct quote on live television, <laughs> when they say <laughs> that, you go, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, they're right. You might be wearing my crown, but I still have it. I yeah. still have it in my cupboard, you know. Uh, I got the I first one. It. I got the first crown. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which is arguably the best one, you know. Uh, and David Bowie talks yeah. about. Uh, I forgot to mention David Bowie as well. Uh, he called Richard his inspiration. Yeah, and st- uh, upon listening to Tutti Frutti, that he heard God. Amazing. Again, other, 
Um, yeah, yeah. John Lennon couldn't speak after listening to Long Tall Sally. It's gobsmack. It's not just, wow, this is good, or wow, this is a good track. It's that shiver, that whatever happens to you when you listen to something, you go, I have no idea what happened to me, but it was good. Yeah, was well, we, we, we know that Macca, Paul McCartney, got a lot of his influences oh, of course. Uh, you from, it, yeah. you know, take their cover of Twist and Shout. Like, um, you know, you've got the, the bit with the head wobbles and stuff in. Now, <laughs> we, we know that, that um, and we know this from interviews, uh, that Paul McCartney took that from little richard you absolutely know. and he, he loved sure. singing little richard songs yeah and he said eventually mm. he got around to writing one of his own because he loved to sing them and everyone loved to hear them and it was a big part of what they did and their sets there's a really cool story actually where um uh little richard actually came and performed uh headlined in hamburg yeah the star at the club. same time yeah the star club at the same time the beatles were over there just before they became you know huge in the uk and then later on were like the biggest british export um of all time and hit america um where uh the beatles would would you know stand at the side of the stage um in the wings just watching little richard in awe you know and they would wait around uh before he went on and after he came off um and little richard would stand there and read these like sermons and prayers and excerpts from the bible and they say that like none of them were religious but it wasn't that they were just there just to hear his voice yeah you know just to hear him speak not even sing but just just to hear his voice and again it's that kind of like that godly sense of just absorbing whatever you possibly can yeah. from the idol even if it's something that you don't necessarily agree or believe in it's just being in the presence of that entity and absorbing as much as possible which i think is just such a such an amazing um way of showing how important he was to to people yeah it was like a pilgrimage as much as it's like that sort of thing yeah we keep on coming back to this sort of thing of uh, or at least in my mind of it being almost a religion to these people mm. you know that they that they they want to do this they want to experience him in the way that people experience like um the visions and stuff like that that's how he appears to them and you know david bowie says that he heard god unbelievable uh so to follow up on the beatles yeah. one um they supported him at uh, the tower ballroom in new brighton which we know well boys uh, and it was here which he gave Paul McCartney tips on how to sound more like him and how to scream in tune and to uh, to use some of his vocal effects and stuff like that. And he talks about that they and obviously they were in Hamburg at the same time. So they did get to know each other reasonably well. He liked Paul McCartney, did not like John Lennon at all, which is really interesting. And there's there's another story which will come on. I don't want to steal your quote section, Tomek, um, but the, the, no, go away. This, I love this is a, a, a fab story. Um, which are in 1969, uh, a festival in Toronto. So we, I've jumped ahead a little bit here, but bear with me because it's a great story. Um, John Lennon and Yoko and Little Richard are playing a festival. And uh, John Lennon and Yoko are uh, headlining. And they so they come on after Little Richard and they put in a whole load of Little Richard songs into their sets. And Little Richard is absolutely outraged by this. And uh, so his his sets are then done in response to those, and apparently they're more electrifying than they've ever been. 
Can you imagine that though? He's so right. Are there recordings of Not this? as far as I know. I'd love, oh, no. love, love, love to find that sort of thing. But yeah, the, the um, in 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 a way that absolutely makes sense when they were in Hamburg and stuff like that. John Lennon was he found it very annoying and found him an annoying person to be around. He says, uh, heavens, that John was pure misery. If I would have had a stick, I think I might have beat him with it. He would do horrible <laughs> things, like get you in a little room, pass gas, and run out and lock you in. Oh my, I can still smell it. <laughs> he didn't like it at all. Who's gonna like that? Wow. Amazing. Why would you? Like, I mean, it's true. Why, how could you do that to any person, let alone it's, little it's Richard? True. Like, what is wrong with you? Uh, I've got one more quote for you as well, which is about the Beatles. Uh, Tommy, you might have this one as well, but let me jump in ahead of you as I'm hijacking the whole thing. Um, This is, again, from Little Richard. (laughs) He says, uh, the only only mistake I made was when Brian Epstein offered to give me a half interest in the group if I took some of their records back to America and got them a record deal. I turned him down. And then someone says, oh, Richard, why would you do that? He said, well, with all those harmonies they were doing, I thought they sounded like the Everly Brothers. And I just figured the last thing the world needed was four more Everly Brothers. <laughs> I mean, I think it's absolute <laughs> nonsense, but what a great line. That's such a wind-up. So off the cuff. But it's so good. Oh, the last thing so in the world. Of... When you said, can you find a quote for Little Richard? I just went, well, I mean, where do you start? If you oh, just yeah. type into Google, Little Richard quotes hundreds maybe even thousands come up of even yeah. just little short ones he's one of, of the most quotable like, men yeah I mean, it could be just simple just like uh god created men and women therefore i love both of them or something like that you know it's you know uh but th- what's amazing is like you can tell that the majority of these quotes are just things that are just off the cuff oh, that yeah. he, he makes up there and then which just shows you how much of a an amazingly creative person he is you know uh in in regards to just improvising and and being in the moment and someone giving him something that he has to deal with that the majority of people would either shy away or attack and he can just deal with that um that situation by just dishing out these unbelievably tasty like quotes that he comes out with that are just brilliant they're flawless you know it's great He, he was presenting at the grammys one year uh, later on in his career and he was presenting Best New Artist and the moment came for them to open the envelope and uh, he opens it up and he says and the Grammy for the Best New Artist is me. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. And then he starts to rant about how he never got any Grammys. <laughs> Just amazing. And the other presenter has to drag him back onto the script and be like, oh no, there's actually a winner of this. <laughs> Please find that. That's that's <laughs> definitely online. Okay, if I found it, I'm gonna insert it here. And the one and only Little Richard! But <laughs> I used to wear my hair like that. They take everything I get, they take it from me. He can't get that, though. All right, now. Wait, wait, wait a minute, look at the hair. I used to wear my, I used to have these eggs in mine. Look at it. Now? Shut up. The nominees for the best new artists are... 
Are you all sure you want me to say that? I didn't have nothing to say. I thought I wasn't going to say nothing. And the best new artist is... Me. I have never received nothing. You all never gave me no Grammy. And I've been singing for years. I had to get that in. Being a Brian Drew from Georgia, I had to tell it too. Shut up. Woo! <laughs> the winner really is me. <laughs> Richard. Richard. Shut up. He got a standing ovation. I know. And <laughs> it's so good. Oh. We could quote him all night. However, we and we should. I want to wind, I oh, wind sorry, it back man. a little bit. Just to the moment. And I suppose we haven't really spoken about this too much. Oh. Really. About his sexuality and the battle with religion, mm. which ultimately stopped his, his performing days in, in, the, in the 50s. More than, more than once. Yeah. Well, well I mean. Yeah, so, I mean this. Sorry, throughout his, throughout his life more than once but yeah definitely within the 50s that first initial realization of him saying you know what i'm you know is what i'm doing right is what i'm doing what god wants me to do um yeah it's 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 a really interesting thing because he he decides that he wants to uh stop playing rock and roll yeah and so he he quits rock and roll uh and mm-hmm. he joins the uh baptist and uh african methodist uh church well that's his roots isn't it that's that's where his family yeah is. that's where his big beliefs come from yeah, yeah and yeah. and he decides to uh dedicate his his life to god and he becomes a pastor um and decides that he wants to basically spend the rest of his life uh, spreading the word of the bible and god um and what he then does, he then decides that he wants to start writing and performing gospel. Uh, and mm. and he does. And essentially what happens is, is that he goes out on tour and he's performing all these gospel songs. And the numbers start to dwindle in yeah. regards to yeah. ticket sales and record sales and things. And that's when he kind of realizes that, hmm, maybe... 
rock and roll. Well, yeah, and he's he's invited to go back to Europe where the numbers are actually still quite good. And he yeah, assumes yeah. that he's being booked for a gospel tour. That's and the it. promoter thinks That's that. That's it, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's assuming that he's going to be a rock and roll. So when he when he turns up and he's um, dressed in the, in the gospel manner and he's performing all these songs, everyone is, is absolutely you know baffled. The promoter is baffled by this. But um, he's supported by Sam Cooke. He's still up and coming, obviously, supporting Little Richard. But he um, he does an unbelievable show. Sam Cooke, this is, does an unbelievable show, drives the crowd absolutely wild. And so Little Richard's um, competitive nature Starts comes to the again. again. And he's like, all right, yeah. fine. Well, I've got yeah. to bring out some of the old bangers again. And he brings them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he wins back the crowd. And it's 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 just one of those many many comebacks that he seems to go through Ugh. in his career uh, again and again and again you know is it planned no surely not no, i mean it's not it's but it, but again it's it's, it's one of those things where you kind of say you know oh that would just that would be a great media stunt wouldn't it you know yeah but he he started to record more rock and roll again uh, and but not under his own name and not under little richard so that he could keep his position in the church, as well as this rock and the rock and roll lifestyle going, so that right. you know the church wouldn't disapprove of what he was doing, essentially. So, um, yeah, he recorded he recorded six rock and roll songs with the Upsetters, um, who of course we already have met oh. uh, under the new name of the world famous Upset. Of course, he called them the world famous Upsetters. <laughs> so <laughs> little Richard, yeah. But yeah, and uh, then he gets given a, a television special, The Little Richard Spectacular. Massive, ma- massive ratings hit. Um, and it's, it's, it's a success story. Again, like he's had this sag, I mean, in a, in a large way of his own doing. But all of a sudden, he's back. And he's back with a bang, you know? It's yeah, the story absolutely. of... I mean, that's his comeback album. His first comeback album is... Uh, Little Richard is back. Yeah, Simple as that. And, yeah. and yeah, it's it's... It's an amazing thing. And of course, it's at this point that um, Hendrix joins the band, which is an oh, amazing thing in itself. You've got someone else in there who is going to go on to carve their, their place in music talent. history. Which, yeah, which from what I hear, uh, hear is he, Hendrix uh, was eventually fired. He was. Because he was essentially stealing the show. Um, yeah. or, or at least trying to upstage little richard again you get different versions of this yeah, story but so yeah i'm not sure but i mean the fact that someone would even consider trying to upstage little richard in itself is an unbelievably it's foolish true. thing it's to do but he's playing the guitar with his teeth and like all that's all the classic hendrick stuff is coming out so you could imagine that it becomes yeah. it becomes a thing and also he's um apparently according to little richard in different interviews he says he's trying to upstage him in other ones he says that he's like just like more practical stuff like he's always late for rehearsals and yeah. if he me- ever meets a girl then everything else goes out the window and uh right. he starts living that that jay osborne life essentially <laughs> and and so another quote is that um hendrix wanted to do with his guitar what little richard did with his voice that's that's what <gasps> no. he said yeah is that really a quote yeah, yeah oh, that I is actually a quote yeah um that's and amazing i didn't know that one that's th- really cool that's another thing that sort of it seems to be um a broader idea that little richard is uh a singer a singer who's being overdriven do you know what i mean yeah he's been cranked yeah. up the voice is is breaking up and that's the sound and then that's the sound that's inherited by by the guitars and the amps do you know what i mean so in a way he's a guitar pioneer himself yeah because wow. that's the sound that Something. they wanted and that's what oh, God, that's, that's what hendrix said 
That's Isn't that an amazing thing. thought? I was going to say, just again, coming back to that competitive nature of Little Wretched, uh, not to mention with other people, but with himself, just about his sexuality. Yeah. And now we're on this podcast. We're here to talk about the music, and in this case, the artist of Little Richard. And I, f- I feel that his sexuality is something so important that reflects in his music that I would like to speak about. Um, because it affects his religion, therefore affects his music. Um, and I mentioned in the timeline way back at the start of this podcast about he was actually arrested for um, unsolicited unsolicited actions yes. in a car with another heterosexual couple. I just think it's another thing that makes him conflicted and and yet powerful and yet and he has some lovely wonderful things that he says later in in life um to do with religion and and his sexuality he says i've been gay all my life and i know god is a god of love not of hate uh and i don't know about you but i really love that that he it's when people look at rock and roll they see aggression they see in your face they see wow they see you know the, the the showmanship of it but also that is such a lovely thing for a man like that as crazy as we've heard through an interview just to talk about how gratifying and how he he doesn't he is he doesn't get his power from himself um yeah i i just i think it's it makes him what he is and i wouldn't want to change that part of him if that makes any sense even though he's so conflicted yeah no absolutely it, it's it all of these things need their their outlet i suppose and um rock and roll is just i mean what what a wonderful outlet for someone like that to have you know that you could sure. you can pour so much of yourself into everything that you do um and in such a um in such an overdriven way the words come back to me again but like he he just pours every conflicted element of himself into everything that he does yeah and the whole thing is this it 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 makes up his the tapestry of who he is you know and it's it's rich and it's incredibly broad and and deep and far-reaching and it's when you listen to him compared to a pat boone you think yeah and not only has he got unbelievable style and talent and charisma and musical ability that that pat boone is unfortunately lacking he's got such history within himself he's been through so much and as cliche as it sounds as cheesy as it sounds that's that's kind of what like rock and roll's about though right it's about it's about rock and roll can be anyone be anything it doesn't matter if you're black or you're white or you're gay or you're straight or you wear makeup or don't wear makeup or you know you play a guitar or a piano or whatever it's 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 more than that it's yeah. it's beyond the face value of 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 what a genre or style of music is yeah. it's more than that and and again as cheesy as it, uh, as it sounds it's kind of set this precedence over the years that like hundreds of of millions of people across the world all love rock and roll and anyone can be part of that and it doesn't matter who you are or what you are or where you are um everyone can enjoy the same thing yeah and and little richard again it's a full circle saying exactly what we started this conversation with and and, and the quote i met uh, the uh the the thing that i said at the start is that it's about being yourself and Sure. Little Richard is the perfect example of that in regards to him having, you know, 
being homosexual, being black, doing things that people thought were maybe very strange or not right for uh, a, a person back then, like wearing makeup and mm. uh, and very uh, flamboyant clothes and, and his attitude and, and the way he sung and his music. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it, that's what it's about. It's, it's about all of that. He's the, the epitome of saying, just be who you are and be what you want. And it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's, it, it's, you know it's what? all about, it's all about one thing, which is the rock and roll, you know, yeah. it's bringing that thing that's, together. You know what? You've, that's a lovely way to end our podcast before we get onto the facts. And actually, am I allowed to leave us with a quote before we go onto our mystery oh, train moment? Sure. You have to rest it back for me. Go on. I did what I felt and I felt what I did at all costs. Amazing. That's that's more of like a line that you would hear from like like a president yeah. or like like a leader of, of of an army during the war. You know, that's like a Churchill quote. Yeah, it's or a like call a Roosevelt to arms quote, as much as anything quote, else. isn't it? Yeah. Like you if you know what would be really interesting is if you if you put that in a quiz and said, Who said this? Yeah. And then you said that multiple quote choice. and multiple choice and of like, you know, and people would say, Oh, that's that's a politician. That's a general, that's 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 a world leader, you know. But it's not. It's it's some black, gay, born in poverty, rock and roll singing guy from Macon in America who's just done exactly what he wants. Yeah. It's a fantastic it's quote. Brilliant, it's lovely. It? it really is. And it, it's it's he's one of those people who I look at and I'm like, I want to be more myself. Do you know what I mean? Oh, my he's God. He's inspirational in that way. Like looking at that interview, you're just like... That's what I want. Yeah. I want to be that guy. He's given my him, version of that. He's guy. given himself the beautiful treasure of freedom. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I know a lot of us, including myself, uh, wishes we could have. Of course. It's that, it's that ability to be able to completely be ourselves and yeah. be, be free of restraints to stop us being and doing what we want. Yeah. And he was, he was the king slash queen of that. He was magnificent. Um, great. So that brings us on to Mystery Train. Yes, it's that part of the podcast where uh, three of us pick a fact each. We don't tell each other what it is uh, and what it's about. Uh, and we share it and see who's got the best quote. And at the moment, the scores are Mr. Uh, Christopher Willie Weeks, one. <laughs> Delighted that's bad. Jay Osborne, Professor Jay Osborne, one. Professor and... J. B-Tech Osborne. No, say it properly. Professor... Oh, sorry, Professor J. B. I mean, they can't see the inverted commas. No, but just say them. Okay, fine. Hang on. Professor J. Inverted comma, inverted comma. B-Tech, inverted comma, inverted comma, Osborne. Esquire. Not as catchy. One. <laughs> and unsurprisingly, Tomek Beastie Skirvinsky, zero. But very popular with the fans. Yeah, ridiculously. Famously, yeah. famously popular with the fans. But uh, yeah, no, he's not doing Famous. well. Um, um, and we always start with the winner. That's which you. Last week was me. Yeah. Um, so uh, my fact uh, this week about little Richard um yeah, uh, is uh, is quite a um, funny one. Uh, so I'll just read it. Here we go. 
In Charles White's The Life and Times of Little Richard, the artist admitted to having a bowel movement in a box and handing it to an elderly friend of his as a birthday present. Unaware of the horrors within, she brought the box home so she could open it in front of her friends. Meanwhile, Richard impishly watched from outside as he recalled. She wanted to know what I had brought her. She said, let us see what Richard has brought for me. Then I just heard, I'm going to kill him. I'll kill him. Richard laughed and laughed. End. What what did he do? (laughs) Basically, he shit in a box, gave it to someone as a present, (laughs) and she opened it in front of her friends. Gave it to a sweet old lady. Um, The first thing that pops up to my head is, it's very John Lennon. Very John Lennon. (laughs) Very John Lennon. For a man who really doesn't like John Lennon. Yeah, Yeah. that's so true. I never thought of it like that. Jay. Uh, but horrendous. Yeah. Yeah, we'll agree horrendous. Uh, can I ask why? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm not him. It's a, it's a gag, no, I don't mean, it, surely. Did you ask him? But I mean, just random, like, you, you know, when we go, <laughs> you don't walk down a street and go, oh, you see that old man with a walking stick? I'm going to go and nick it. Do you? <laughs> you don't do that. So if I were to say to you, you see that old lady over there, I'm just going to go shit in a box and give it to her as a gift. <laughs> I'd be like, don't do that. That's mental. <laughs> um... I don't know. I mean, we, to be fair, I actually don't know the date of this. So this could have been around a time where he was maybe taking certain things and doing certain yeah. things. And, um, <laughs> oh, right. Okay. But who knows? I think when you maybe get to that sort of stage where there's so many fans asking you for different things, you just get to a point where you, where you either don't care or you want to have fun or maybe he's just run out of things to give her. <laughs> What do you give the person who's got everything? What do I give this sweet old lady that wants something from me, who's a super fan? I know. Let me take this box into the other room for five seconds. Um, yeah, it, crazy. But now you said that about the John Lennon thing. That's Isn't that funny. That is very funny. He saw too much of himself well, in the young man. It'd be really interesting guess, to find out if that you know was what? pre or post Lennon farting in the room. Yeah, I wonder. Interesting. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, find it hard, I, hard, I find it hard to see him do that in a way of how kind of glamorous and beautiful he looked as a person. I just <laughs> can't imagine yeah. Little Richard shit in a box. Call me mental, call me mad, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> um, You can't. That's mad. Tommy. Yeah. What have you got? Oh, and to me. All right. Okay. Fact o'clock. <laughs> oh, God. On February 7th, 1989, Georgia State Representative Billy Randall sponsored a bill to make Tutti Frutti the official state song. The bill did not pass. Oh. So, this is not, this is in politics. The state representative, Billy Randall, wanted to pass (laughs) the law because, uh, Every state has its own song or its own sort of ethos. Um, uh, and, and this guy wanted to make Tutti Frutti the official state song. As we know, it's actually Georgia on my mind, which has only been passed 10 years before. Mm. But here we get This is the best bit. One clause of the resolution, this is the absolute truth, reads thusly. Whereas, a wop ba ba loo ba ba wom bamboo. 
That's it. That's literally one of his reasons as to why it should be <laughs> the state song. Because of that. Uh, but more seriously, he said, I, quite frankly, I don't think Little Richard has ever gotten the acclaim or the notoriety for his contribution to rock and roll. Uh, and he also said, I don't think anybody made the contribution of Little Richard. I mean, I just find it hilarious that he managed to get himself way up there in politics. He's, and apparently Randall said, it could have been, I could have picked, good golly, Miss Molly. <laughs> but... Uh, he chose Tutti Frutti. Amazing. I don't know why. It didn't. It didn't pass. And, I think that's such uh, a shame. That is a shame. That is a shame. And would, do you think? Do you think that would have made a difference in his popularity and well, his later popularity? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe another, yet another resurgence. But I don't know. I think by that <laughs> point, he's probably, you know, he's he's as established as he's going to be. Don't you think? But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But uh, like, did it? Did Georgia on my mind sales suddenly spike? Yeah, I mean, how, been how around much for of a while? How much of a, you know, how many people in that state can you all say, oh, what's the song of this state? Are actually going to know that it's that's that? That's true. You would sort of yeah. guess, though, wouldn't you? Or yes. even care. And also, it's that, only yeah. Georgia that's going to be really concerned about what their state song is. Like, if you're true. in New York and somebody says, what's Georgia's state song? You'd be like, I don't know. It's yeah, New, New York, York on my mind. On my mind. Yeah. 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 What's New York? I know. Is it New York, New York? Who knew? You know. Oh, it might be. Could be. Be a good choice. Well, your favourite. Speaking of your favourite. <laughs> uh, Christopher, yeah. Mr. For Weeks. Uh, your factor, Mr. For Christopher. Yeah. Okay. So mine is um, actually about a completely unrelated artist. No, it's about a different artist. This is about a, uh, a young man called James Brown. You might have heard of. But um, so when Little Richard was on the rise and uh, at the height of his popularity, and yet people didn't know, like it, you know, we 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 know exactly what musicians look like around the world of course we do because we've got that information at our fingertips but people at the time even in america didn't really know what he looked like and so when little richard uh could not fulfill certain dates james brown would be a little richard impersonator <laughs> and go and do the concerts and did he get away with it and he got away with it no absolutely <laughs> And the, uh, they say that it became, uh, like we know that he was massively influenced by him anyway, but performing as him and getting as close as he could shaped his own sound in in a very big way. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So what years was he doing this again? Oh, well, I, I'm not sure of any specific years, but it must be, what, in the, in the, the early, the late 50s, early 60s? I don't know. But... Uh, yeah, the, the, it's it's it, the thought that someone who is as, as iconic as James Brown is working at literally as an impersonator of and someone you think just the, as iconic. The amount of people that that have impersonated yeah. James Brown. Yeah, both of them. <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny you say that. Um, the artist Charles Bradley, uh, who unfortunately died uh, only a few years ago, I'm a massive fan of, um, who very much brought back that soul sound of the uh of the late 70s 80s um uh he started out as a james brown impersonator is that right yeah and he got picked up because he had the great sound and stuff um if anyone gets a chance to check him out just check out uh charles bradley because his stuff is amazing and you can hear how he sounds and and took such influence from being james brown and you know how he was 
such a successful James Brown impersonator. But it's funny that, you know, that you say that Little Richard came out and James Brown impersonated him and then created his own sound and became it. And then all of a sudden Charles Bradley comes out and say, you know, it's it's that canon thing again, isn't yeah. it? The thing that just rolls on and Absolutely. influence after mm. influence. But that's, that's amazing. What a thought. And you've got to think of the people that, you know, are hopefully still around now that have gone, I saw Little Richard, but did I? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it, yeah, if you saw him around that, even then you're like, I saw James Brown. Yeah, pretty yeah, cool. To be, to be fair, in a way, it's a bit like the um, having a no caster or something like that. You know, you're like, oh, I, I had a really early Telecaster. Oh no, I had a broadcast. Oh no, I saw something in the middle. James Brown being Little Richard yeah. is that thing in the middle yeah. where it's yeah. neither of them. <laughs> yeah, wow. And yeah, it's like, even more I would unique. Like to know some of Little Richard's reasonings as to why he didn't go on stage and let James Brown. He was, go on. I'd was, like to think that when he, he was, was working elsewhere. A, I know. I'd like to think that he was busy shitting in a box or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason he couldn't go. Before. I yeah. knew that was going to be funny because you started giggling before you said it. He's got a busy know, schedule. Not good, little Richard. Goodness. Uh, right, gentlemen, <laughs> cast your votes. Tomek oh, Sivinsky. I think you know mine. The sillier one always wins. It's shitting in a box for me, Mr. Jails. Oh, That's my vote. There you go. Um, Mr. Christopher, for? oh, what am I going for? Yeah, um, go I'm going to go with you, man. That's, I am. I didn't know that, and that's blown me oh, away. That's really sweet, uh, Mr. For Christopher. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd, look, I'm going to have to go with shitting in the bar. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's too top. hideous, and it raised so, so many good. questions in my mind. I was like, "What is going on here?" So, <laughs> is that your second week at the top? It's two weeks now. <sighs> What's above a professorship? You get a fellowship. Is it? Yeah, you got tenure. You're never going to be fired now. Congratulations! No. Wow. Who knows? Now back um, in the conservatory with you, <laughs> with my sink. <laughs> um. Uh. So now it's time for uh, listener mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um. So we've had a, a couple in. Uh, in fact, we've had a few in, but we've got our first one for um Mr. J Osborne. Mm. Very exciting. Ooh. Um. This is from someone who's just called Tom. Tom. It's but not me. It's not we me. had. That's funny because we had a Chris last week and it wasn't you. Oh. And now we have a Tom. Oh, there you go. Uh, well, no, obviously, people only listen to this podcast who share the names with us. That's just one of the one of the weird rules. Um, this is a lovely question. Okay. Um, if you could form this, this is addressed specifically to you, but you know, maybe maybe he's a guitarist or whatever. But we could all answer this comfortably. If you could form a band made up of your musical heroes, who would play what instrument? What? Where do you start? That is possibly the sexiest question I've ever asked. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Um. Okay, should we go with how, how many members are we saying? Um, I mean, it, it depends. Should we, I, should we go classic rock group? I'm going to say lead lead guitar, rhythm guitar, bass, and drums. I'm going to let's just stick it to four. Tomic's out of the equation. Then he's not he's not playing keys. <laughs> well, that can be replaced with piano or a horn. But or, you're giving him yeah, four I, people to play with. Okay, well, I'm going to go. Yeah, little, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Little Richard singing, obviously. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm then going to go. Carl Perkins on guitar. Excellent. Right. Uh, I'm going to go with DJ Fontana, who was Elvis's drummer, on drums. Very nice. Uh, I'm then going to go with Bill Black on uh, upright bass. Very nice. Elvis's uh, double bass player. I'm then going to go with Jerry Lee on piano. And... Remember when we said four people? Yeah. Who are you gonna? Who are you gonna say? Come on! I'm gonna say. 
I think Johnny Cash would be quite fun on rhythm. Johnny Cash, just on rhythm. Johnny, just sat, stand at the back, would you? Yeah, he's just there to look at. Yeah. But imagine, that's like the all-star. I just, I'd love the conversation with him where you're like, oh, you just play rhythm on this, is that cool? Yeah, because if I, the gig. if I ask Chuck Berry to play rhythm, he's not going to play rhythm. No, no. And then him no, and Carl Perkins are going to end up like fighting on stage. Could be good. Amazing. No. <laughs> could be good. Well, what about you? What about you, Mr. Phil, Christopher Willie Weeks? Um... I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's such a difficult question, isn't it? I think I would have to have Little Richard up there singing. Little Richard or, or Elvis up there singing. Um, and I, it's difficult. Like when you, when you say those names, and the band I've got in my head now is the band that you've just put together, which is an awful lot of, um, of, of Elvis's players. And I'm going to put myself in the mix. All right? Because I have to be, I can't just be in the audience. What's how, the point of that? Very little Richard of you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to have the same band, and I'm going to be sharing vocals with Little Richard. There you go. <laughs> Boom. I, do you know what? That's not too dissimilar to what I was going to say. I was like, well, I want to play piano on this thing. Like, I don't want to, you know. Oh, great! Now I'm just sat piano. watching with Johnny Cash doing nothing. You <laughs> idiot. <laughs> I the only thing I think I would add to my list is uh, the sax the tenor sax solo oh. performer Lee Allen who did all oh. the solos for Little Richard yeah, yeah. and two friends um, yeah, for sure he yeah. is probably the only one uh, and probably the only one that maybe didn't get the notoriety that he was maybe deserved because if you're gonna uh, we talked about it last week in this in this very moment of like you know if you're gonna have one horn one blowing instrument we, you're right we did say, you're gonna have one sax yeah. and in particular. You're gonna want Lee Allen to to get those squeaks and yeah. those rasps and, those, and that naughtiness to kind of sing through the instrument like Little Richard did, which is probably why it's so iconic in the sense he captured what Little Richard was doing in his vocals through his sax. So that's the only thing I would add yeah. is Mr. Lee Allen. I might I might I might have Hal Blaine there as well, just for uh, just to just swap in on drums. I think that would be nice. And I think he if can li- stamp it. If if I had to pick a replacement singer it would probably be johnny burnett and you say why have you picked a replacement singer and i'd hey, say Jay, why have you picked a replacement singer oh little rich is just out the back taking the shit in a box <laughs> <laughs> yes yes i mean fantastic. legacy what a uh, legacy I mean, um as that that was a reasonably long one so i'm gonna i've got one more question uh, obviously i haven't had any questions at all uh, this is for tom <laughs> um and obviously it's from a girl uh someone called mandy hello mandy <gasps> And the question is, um, obviously they know that you're 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 a pianist. Um, He's a what? You're you're a pianist. Oh, was in a piano player? No, no. I was sorry, Carol. He's a penis. Ah. Yeah. Um, so they ask, or she asks, did you train as a classical pianist? Uh, are you self-taught? Um, can you read music? <laughs> That's a great question, Mandy. I I take the last Thanks. bit to be, can you even read music? <laughs> Can you even read? I love that. I love this sort of passive aggression. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on there. Wasn't but... it? Wasn't it? Can you, can you can you actually read music? Can what you even actually do? do? It's a whiplash moment. <laughs> yeah, uh, great question. Uh, so yes, yeah, started on the more traditional uh, arc of playing piano. I did grades. I did the classical RBS M Royal School of Board of Music. ABRSM. Yeah, uh, something about music and <laughs> la la la. Uh, we have grades. And then I got to grade five and I just went, no, it's not really doing it for me. And actually it was a study by Oscar Peterson, one of my jazz heroes, a jazz pianist. OP. That I sort of went, OP, the OG. Um, that I went, 
um, I need to do what this is. And it was jazz. And that opened up my world of harmony and chords and rhythm and, uh, and led me to rock and roll. So I'm quite weird in that sense, in the sense that, yes, I am sort of theory trained, but ultimately I'm a, you give me chords on a, on a lead sheet and I'm actually happier with that rather than dots. Oh, there you go. But you can, you do read music. Yeah, but it's a uh, it's a funny one. Reading music, or rather sight reading, especially on piano, is so difficult because you're doing six to maybe six to ten things at once in terms of how many fingers you have. It's true. Um, and how, how many fingers you got now? After the surgery, minus the three, plus the half. Yeah, it's still ten. Yeah, it's still ten. <laughs> what you yeah. got? Ten fingers. So you got ten fingers yeah. and two thumbs. I don't. I don't yeah, believe yeah. in thumbs. It's one of my things. Right. Just fat fingers. That... Just all fingers. They're they all just... fingers to me. Are you sure they're all fingers wanna... or are they just all thumbs? <laughs> no, no, no. They're not all thumbs. Imagine if they were all thumbs. I think that's worse than being all fingers. That's a it? strong thing though, isn't it? The thumb. Yeah. Yeah, it's too strong for me. Far too strong. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't like a strong thumb does Atomic. No. Sorry about I that, don't. Mandy. I'd I'd rather... I'd like to think of them all as fingers. I like to think of them as the same. No, I can't get through I mean, this is bizarre oh, stuff, Tomek. <laughs> Um, great. Well, thank you, Tomek, for thanks, um, Mandy. Your mail is that is that all of it? What do you mean? Uh, I think yeah. That's that. Those are the two ones that, that the rest aren't important. The, <laughs> if you said a, yeah. you said a question. Those are the two important. winners. If you're if you're a winner, if you send in a winning question, then they get read out. I think that's the thing. Yeah. Hey, and if tell you, you what, a winner, I tell you what. If you if you send in a question that is particularly good, um, we will myself and Willie will pay for you to go on a date with Tomek. Lovely. No, hold on. This isn't Lonely Hearts podcast. But we won't pay for his side of the meal. No, because, just yours. My God. I didn't know where you were going to go with that. Chris and I will shit in a box for you. <laughs> it's never going to be funny now. That's never not going to be funny. So if any of you out there do have any amazing or funny or silly questions or anything... Just that, any questions for me. Would be, yeah, if any questions just, for me. Yeah, come on. I um, could ask loads about Chris. If you have any uh, anything you'd like to send us, um, anything you'd like to correct us on, any information, any stories that you know, uh, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Um, uh, even if it's just a, hey, I like your podcast or, hey... I hate your podcast. Either way, it's we really good to hear things. from you. Um, please check out our Instagram. We are Straight Out the Fridge Podcast. Um, also, you can check out our Twitter, which is at Straight Out the. That's it. Um, There's no fridge. It wasn't available. Um, <laughs> no fridges so it, are not allowed on Twitter. No, uh, it's an anti-fridge social media site. Carry oh, on. No, sorry, I started. <laughs> I started, so I'll finish. Um, yeah, so you can uh, always check us out and uh, send us a message on at Straight Out There uh, on Twitter, uh, or you can uh, just go to Facebook and type in Straight Out the Fridge, uh, and the page will come up, and you can visit us on there. And there's not very much left for me to say other than unfortunately next week's podcast we won't have mr for christopher woody weeks dreadful um he's away on vacation slash holiday with his family i am um and he's gonna have a wonderful time well uh, fingers crossed yeah yeah it might be dreadful yeah yeah um so, but we do have a uh guest presenter coming in yeah. uh, with <gasps> tomek and Ooh. i it's another reason that i can't be here we just we don't get along yeah you don't get along it's a shame yeah well, yes. it's actually your week to pick, Chris. So this is going to be interesting. No, uh, we've. Oh we, yeah, we've, we've. I'm going to pick you a hell of a topic. Oh, Don't you worry no. about that. What are we doing next week, Chris? Uh, we're going to do the triangle in rock and roll. <gasps> what? 
Yeah. And I want it to be minimum two hours. What even is the? What even is that? I don't even know what that is. What the triangle? Oh, the instrument, the triangle. <laughs> what do you think I meant? The Bermuda I thought, I triangle? Like, no, I was. I thought you were talking. You know, the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of rock Jeez. and roll. Is that like the Holy like, Trinity? <laughs> no, that's bizarre. Oh, uh, no, but I will tell you me. that. Um, uh, yeah, you've already said. Jim. That our friend, uh, well, your friend and my mortal enemy, Josh Haberfield, is coming on the, the podcast because he is a specialist in rock and roll drumming. And so, next week, you will be discussing the role of the drums. Yes, that's right. It's Big topic week again next week. Um, and um, uh, Willie's picked uh, for us to do uh, the history uh, and, you know, the general... The uh, role. Knowledge. Yeah. Of um, general knowledge, I demand a general knowledge round on the drums. We'll oh, be listening now. There has to be. Yeah, um, I demand it. Fine, and I demand an introduction for it. General <sighs> knowledge drums. Right, that's going as well. Um, yep, that's right. We got our um, our good friend uh, well, Josh Haberfield coming on. Um, he he's we've worked with him for a good few years now, and he is an astonishing rock and roll drummer, uh, and he really does know his stuff. So uh, we're very lucky and really excited to get him on uh, to talk about uh, the uh, history of uh, rock and roll drums for History Week, uh, History Week uh, for Topic Week. Absolutely, um, it's going to be great. All, all right, Josh, how you doing, mate? Tom, we haven't started yet. How's yeah, it going? It's oh, not here yet. We don't. We I don't just do these back to back. I just well, I can't. I just thought he was there. Oh, yeah. Just okay. go back to your triangle, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there is not much <laughs> left to say for this episode other than to hand over to uh, Mr. Christopher uh, Willie Weeks for the handoff. Who on earth is going to do it next week? Josh. Oh, I might have to be. Uh, I, I, yeah, I demand that it's Josh that does the intro and the outro. <laughs> oh, no. I insist. Oh, no, I can record one for you. It's fine. It'd be great. Um... Yes. Boys, just before we close up, um, can we... I th- he, he deserves one last little mention. We've talked about a lot of other stuff and our upcoming stuff, but let's just bring it back to the man himself. Can I get just one thought, one sentence from you to sum up what what the great man, Little Richard, means to you? Can I come to... I'm going to go to Jay first. Give me just one thought, one big thought. He is the epitome of... Um, of the rock and roll revolutionary icon. Fantastic. Fantastic. Absolutely. Tomek? He is everything I could ever wish to be and more. I mean, it's, yeah, it's big, big stuff. Um, My one will be, he is, he is the life force of what rock and roll is. Like, you look at that man, he is the life force of the whole thing. It's great, man. Amazing. What an amazing man. Yes. And uh, to all of you who have stuck with us and have been listening, thank you so much for being with us for this episode. Do let us know any of your thoughts, your opinions, your comments, your memories, and um, do anything else, anything else that comes to you as you're listening and you're thinking about the great man that is Little Richard. And uh, please do, if you're not already, subscribe 
to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from because we are there. You will find us there. And do leave us a rating and uh, a little review, a little comment on there as well because they mean the world to us and they do make a big, big, big difference. Essentially, it means that more people get to to hear us. Um, we get to know exactly what you guys like to hear and what you'd like to hear more of, etc. Um, so the podcast ends up being better just by by your input. And we've always said from the very beginning that we want this to be as rock and roll is a community thing, um, a discussion that's not just between us three, but between everyone else who is listening as well. But it only remains for me to say that um, my name has been Chris Weeks, and it probably will be for a very, very long time. And I've been joined by Jay Osborne and Tom Savinsky. And together we have been straight out the fridge. Thank you so much. Bye bye. <laughs>